The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome To keeping it strong style The ace of podcasts On the social suplex podcast network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith and Chris Samsa On today's show we'll discuss the return of Shibata Review the two Osaka Battle Autumn shows And cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network Or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice And leaving a rating and review you can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping a Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com. With features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share plus, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Chris, welcome back to the show, man. How are you doing? Yo, we're here. I'm well rested. Uh, I think the last time we talked was G1 season. So I'm, uh, I'm pumped. Thanks for asking me back. Yeah, I feel like it's been uh, shorter than that, but I guess it's been a while. I, so I did the show with just Josh while you were on your honeymoon. Yeah. I think that was the last time I was on. And before that, I think it was just the G1 preview. So it was. It had to be G1 season. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. It's been a minute. It's been well, a shit minute. feels different right now. You know what I'm saying? We got all three of us on here. New Japan's firing in all cylinders. We got. We're going into dome season. It's feeling good. It's feeling we like are, old times. We are in dome season. So, and listen, World Tag League and Junior Tag League look palatable. So we have that going for us. Let's I go. mean, we'll get into it, but I yeah. think that this is the best, at least World Tag League. Actually, probably both. It's probably the best field of Tag League and Super Junior Tag League in what five years, at least, make probably more. Yeah, it's a pretty tight lineup, and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later on the show. But I think first we've got to talk about uh, Katsuyuri Shibata. So last week on AEW Dynamite, uh, Shibata comes out, challenges Orange Cassidy, sets up a match for uh, Friday on Rampage. So first of all, what were your guys' thoughts 
when that match was announced on Wednesday that we're, we're getting Shibata versus Orange Cassidy Atlantic City dream match for the All Atlantic title. Well, there there was the first reaction of hearing, you know, the guitar strings, da 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 da, and it's like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> is, is Shibata coming out right now? And that's even before any sort of actual match announcement is made. Like, it's just like, why is Shibata out here first off? Second off, wait, they're they're having a match and it's it's a real match? Like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, so I uh, did not watch Dynamite Live this week, which, you know, um, to my, yeah, to my dismay, I, I get back to my phone at like whatever, 10 central, so like an hour after Dynamite ended, and I just, I have text messages or like, you know, whatever, social media messages everywhere that just say like, Shibata, 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 like Shibata, like, like literally all anyone said to me was Shibata, and I replied to everyone, I was like, I didn't. Wa- I'm not watching wrestling right now. Like, what is happening? And someone was like, <laughs> someone was like, just if you don't know yet, like, go home and watch Dynamite as soon as you can, like, without going on social media. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll do that. So I'm like, go home, I fire up social media. All right, sorry, I fire up Dynamite, and then I see it happen. And I was just like, what in the world is happening? And then I like, you know, I start to look into. What, what where it goes from there and that he's like, gonna have a match and i was like i was actually a little mad because mm-hmm. i was like this man's gonna wrestle and first of all i didn't have enough time to get up my ass on a plane and get there <laughs> and because i would have probably you know under many other circumstances and second of all like on aew rampage like right when i'm we're not even talking. We're not talking dynamite. We're not talking a pay per view. We're talking rampage, live rampage. Great, but rampage is so basically not- dark elevation. So I was a little perturbed, <laughs> and also just not in New Japan. Also, like this is his first like real real match announced ahead of time. Gonna have a match thing. Let- Don't get me wrong. I'm here for it, and I had a great time. But it, my first reaction was a little bit of like WTF, um, and end result a lot better than that. I had a good time with the match, but still, I was like, "What? Like, why? What is happening?" Yeah, so. I I have a lot of those same feelings and even more questions coming out of it overall. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely had that kind of same kind of roller coaster of emotions where it's like, oh, wait, Jabana's here. This is awesome. It's like, oh, wait, he's having a match. Wait a minute. Why isn't he not having like, a big match in New Japan first? He's facing Orange Cassidy. Like, there's just all like, these like highs and lows of emotions and questions, just kind of very like, weird of what's happening. And, you know, for people who might not know, you know, Shibata, about what was it, five, six years ago in the big match, Secure Genesis, April 2017, had a IWGP world title match against. Zuchiko Okada did a shoot headbutt um, and got a acute subdermal hematoma. They had to, you know, do surgery to drill a hole in his skull to leak the fluid out. You know, they, they take didn't take his brain out. Of his <laughs> I, I was going to say, I heard his brain. I heard they took his brain out. <laughs> they took his brain out. So, some, some reporters will tell you that they took his brain out and put it back in. Jeremy, don't you question the credibility of Dave Meltzer live on my show? Okay. <laughs> Oh man, I, I, think, I think that's still like in print in the Observer somewhere. Like, I don't think there's an edit on that. 
There's yeah. a, I mean, or maybe it's on the boards. I don't there's, know. There's a lot of like typos and and misprints in the Observer. It's never been one for you know, but not like accuracy. they took his brain out. Like, <laughs> not a misprint. Oh man, yeah. He's just like, eh. <laughs> he's trying to make it more dramatic, guys. Someone pointed it out, and he's like, eh. <laughs> he's like, on? not worth editing. Yeah. They'll, like they'll understand. News. It's like his Dragon Gate news. It's not worth editing to him. Yeah. So, yeah. So, he has this major injury. You know, lucky to be alive. Not allowed back in the ring. You know, he's been head trainer over to L.A. Dojo in California. Training, you know, the American tr- a crop of young lions. Your Fredericks, your Coughlin, Connors, Gabe Kidd, all those guys. Pumping out young lions. Helping out with strong. Doing, you know, strong commentary. And then we know we had the... Uh, exhibition five-minute match with Zack Sabre Jr. last year was then built into him having what's supposed to be what like UWFI rules match with Renderita at Wrestle Kingdom. But then at that match, you know, there's still a debate whether it was a work or a shoot. He essentially calls an audible, turns it into a regular match, has that. And, and since then, we have not seen him wrestle for New Japan. And now here, out of the blue, it seems like he, he got cleared to, to wrestle Orange Cassidy uh, Dave Meltzer's reporting that he said that there's two people he wants to wrestle. He wants to wrestle. He wants to wrestle Orange Cassidy and the American Dragon Brian Danielson. So we got the Orange Cassidy match. So it's just really weird what what's going on here. Well, let's be clear too. A lot of people will point to the aforementioned Renderita match and say that that was a real wrestling match, and in theory, it was in the sense that it was contested technically under real wrestling rule map you know rules but the guy didn't take any head strikes or any real significant bumps and i'm not saying i'm calling for him to do that but like when you when he can only take strikes to the body but the other guy is fair game you know he definitely struck the shit out of renderita (laughs) gave him lots of bumps but he himself didn't take any it's like it's a it's a wrestling match in theory but it's one handled with kid gloves this match with orange cassidy was not like that at all. This was a full out real wrestling match. And it is weird that it's not happening in Japan for New Japan, you know, uh, announced ahead of time. I mean, it was announced on what, like a three day notice or two day notice. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, te- I mean, technically, like, let's be clear, it is AEW's B show. I know that they don't like to say it is, but it's been pretty clear for a long time that that's their B show, even though this was a live version of it. And Granted, the ratings were up. They they came out today and like the ratings were up, and I have to assume that some of that has to do with uh, this match. But it is just really weird that, and it, it causes a lot of questions in my mind. It's like, is he even under contract with New Japan? Do they have approval of what he can and can't do? Is he freelance? Uh, did they know that he was going to do this? Did they give him the go ahead? Are they going to do matches with him in their company? company like moving forward like what and i don't think we have the answers to this and normally we would have been uh you know kind of like talking to the people that we talked to to try to find this out i don't think anyone really knows to be honest yeah i don't think i don't think anyone knows i mean but that's that's kind of the fun of it is that like it i guess shibata now can just pop up places i don't (laughs) I would imagine, I mean, I would imagine he still has, he obviously still has some sort of contract or relationship with New Japan because he's still right. the guy at the, at the dojo. But like, 
Um, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to even speculate on what's going on because, um, well, I mean, it, but the other thing is like New Japan is like truly the safe company when it comes down to it. Like if you, nobody wants, like nobody at New Japan is even willing to accept the risk of somebody dying or getting catastrophically injured in their ring. And I, you know, that there's so many reasons why Japanese wrestling companies might be more careful than American wrestling companies in that way. But AEW is definitely not the safe company. When yeah, it comes I mean, down to it, I mean, like Danielson, Page, Page Danielson. right? They're, they're AEW's ready. If 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 you'll they have them, that is not a safe move, clearly. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, like I don't know if the threshold is different in AEW than it is in WWE or New Japan, but. You know, New Japan, it, it's hard for me to believe that Shibata is ever going to come back and have come back to New Japan at this point and have a Shibata style, old school, hard hitting, striking match. I would love it if he did and if he's healthy and he can do that. But like the fact that he's now kind of branching out and willing to branch out and have it had his first promoted real pro wrestling match in a different company he's either trying to prove that he's healthy so he can come back or he's trying to prove that he's healthy so that he can wrestle wherever he wants well he he looked incredible he looked great i mean he looked like he hasn't lost a step obviously and i mean that's kind of been the the story with him every time he's done anything physically whatsoever it, going back to his first bump when he made his return, you know, since then the whole time he's looked like he's ring ready. But um, the question of his health is really a a different matter altogether. I do wonder if this puts a little bit of pressure on new Japan or maybe even ignites a fire of desire for them to want to showcase him and bring him in for a real match scenario down the line at some point. I don't know, but, um, you know, like I, I just I was very conflicted on a lot of fronts because it's like on the one hand, this is a guy who's been fighting to wrestle for a long time. And so I'm sure he's not necessarily so concerned with the inner workings of the optics of him losing in a ten minute match or whatever, because he just wants to go out there and perform. And and at the same time, I was I enjoyed the match and I felt like the styles clash of him and Orange Cassidy was interesting and fun and it was, you know, entertaining. At the same time, I couldn't help but wonder, like, should a, a star of Shibata's magnitude, as far as importance to the kayfabe of New Japan, be doing jobs to a quasi... I mean, he is a serious competitor, but he's also a quasi-comedy act in AEW. I don't think that under any circumstances, AEW would send an equivalent to New Japan for any show to do a job to any champion, period. Like, you wouldn't see Sting or Christian or any part-timer from their company like Big Show or whatever, show up in AEW and and lose in a 10-minute B-show match. Um, So I was a little torn there, but then at the same time, it's like maybe beggars can't be choosers. Maybe this is like the only way that we can get to the, you know, to where he's trying to go as far as it's concerned when it comes to resuming his in-ring career, which I don't know. 
Yeah, and we're kind of diving into a Rambo and Slam pick question here. He asked, what did you think of Shibata's match against Orange Cassidy? I loved it, including the batshit commentary. Do you think huh. it was weird for his first real match in years to occur on AEW's B-Show instead of in Japan? And so he, he mentioned the commentary. We did have uh, Mike Tyson on commentary. Tyson. <laughs> like, on? this is a fever dream, right? Like, Dude. Mike Tyson on commentary for Katsuyori Shibata's first match, first promoted match back since 2017. What are we doing, <laughs> dude? This this is like fire pro on crack. Like literally, <laughs> like hit the random button. Oh, Shibata. Okay, Orange Cassidy. Pick your guest commentary. Uh, random. Okay, Mike Tyson. Like, like never in a million years could you would somebody predict you know that this scenario would play out Shibata's gonna wrestle again it's gonna be on AEW it's gonna be against Orange Cassidy and then yeah Mike Tyson is gonna be commentating which Mike Tyson did an excellent job yo Mike Tyson was great like the man clearly someone gave him some notes some information but like he was in it like I did not expect him to be so like engaged in what was happening and who these people were especially Shibata Right, but this man like, sounded like he was like the biggest Shibata mark there was. He's like, yes. this man's a living legend. Look at him, like, like, <laughs> guys. I don't know. I don't know how like familiar you are with Mike Tyson, but like he is truly a, a fight sports yeah. historian, and he like he loves pro wrestling, but he absorbs all MMA, all boxing, and all the intersectionality that comes with that throughout history. I mean. I don't think anyone gave him a note on that STO. I think he just genuinely knows what the fucking STO is. Well, he's obviously because like none of that, the uh, yeah. none of the announcers called it, and Mike's like, "Oh, that's, that's an STO." <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, "STO, like, brother, we gonna call that move or what? Like, yeah, that's a real one." He's like, "We gonna call it action, or are we, <laughs> or are we doing a podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> and then he uh, he gets some. He's like, "Oh, abdominal stretch," and then he switches to octopus. He's like, "Oh, what kind of stretch is that?" <laughs> I listened to a podcast one time where he talked about like the crossover mixed style fights between like Jack Johnson and pro wrestlers and like, uh, like John L Sullivan. So like, and how Tex Rickard is like instrumental to the history of WWF. Like he, he does know his shit and like, he's, I'm sure he he knows Shibata from like his days in K one and pride and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, this is just so, such a bizarre like turn of events. Like <laughs> Orange Cassidy, the guy from like you know the Indies and from Chikara wrestling the, the meme wrestler Shibata, <laughs> and Mike Tyson's there, and it's happening on TNT in 2022. It's just fucking weird. Do you think like Tony Khan was sitting around and he was like doing coke? And then, well, <laughs> listen, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. He's, Tony Khan's sitting around on like Tuesday afternoon and he's like, need something interesting for Rampage that we can announce tomorrow night. We've already booked Mike Tyson. What's the most outrageous match that we can make him call that I could like have access to some wacky talent to make that happen? And he was like, I got it. I'll call my old friend Katsuyori and see if he (laughs) wants to put together a match for Mike Tyson to call. Like what? How? How did he how did he get there? First of it's, all, like uh, I mean, I get it. The Atlantic City dream match, Atlantic City, Mike Tyson. Like it all ends up making sense, but on the surface, you're like, 
what in the world is happening? I, I saw people pissed that they were calling it a dream match. They're like, oh, so we're just going to call anything a dream match these days. I mean, <laughs> Katsuyori Shibata having a match is a dream match. Yeah, so. this man literally almost died in the ring. And the I man think, asked for Orange Cassidy, and God damn it, we gave him Orange Cassidy. I think and the way we okay. got here was opposite. I think that Mike Tyson <laughs> requested for a Shabbat. They're like, is he like the crown prince of Saudi Arabia? He's like, <laughs> saw, yeah, he's he like can just crown... request people. They're like, what what match would you like to call? He's like, mm, for the opener, I think we're gonna do Cassidy Shabbat. <laughs> <laughs> how about um oh cassidy i love cassidy that's my boy and he's and going like, over t- tony kind of gulps and he's like i'll make a call <laughs> I'll, I'll call rocky <laughs> oh man They're like oh you lo- you love orange cassidy yeah his defense is impregnable his offense is impetuous <laughs> that orange punch baby <laughs> that orange punch is so hard get him so hard oh man but yeah i I thought the match was uh very good i definitely gassed anytime shibata was thrown into the barricades him taking a back suplex i was like oh several oh oh my gosh it was it was crazy It, it was really crazy i mean um you know i thought the match was really good i didn't think it was like a classic or great but i thought it was a good showcase for both guys and they didn't play it safe. They went out there and they had an actual hard-hitting pro-style wrestling match. I probably went like three and three quarters. I thought it was very good. Um, I'm, I'm just, I just have so many questions coming out of it. And this is the way it's been every time he's wrestled with the Zach match, with the Narita match. Every time I'm just like, so what does this mean? <laughs> and we don't fucking know. <laughs> it means you're not going to hear anything for another six months. <laughs> And then he's just going to pop up and do something. It's not even just every time he wrestles. It's every time he's shown up. He showed up right. at the G1 in 2019. He showed up. Um, I mean, every everywhere he shows up, he showed up at Forbidden Door, which led to this. So, like, at least this all ended up making sense in the, like, canon of AEW and New Japan. Right. Like, so, like, th- there was... People will tell you there was no build to this, but go back to Forbidden Door, and that was the build, and here we are, and it finally happened. So, like, but again, same, more questions than answers. It, I don't. It's the it's it's it's, it's complicated of relationships. Like, you, yeah, you, you don't know where it is. You, you have a determined relationship. You're not sure if your boyfriend girlfriend. It, it's it's complicated. It's what it is. <laughs> Shibata <laughs> has a extended relationship with best friends who are officially kayfabe members of chaos so i guess he is like you know part of chaos now along with orange cassidy or well or at least chaos adjacent yeah i mean anybody can get in chaos nowadays which means all of the la dojo since they follow him their parts alex coglin kevin knight they're chaos now People talk about, you know, Bullet Club being this massive subgroup that's all over the world. They have no idea. Chaos is everywhere. They're literally <laughs> on every continent right now. It's crazy. Uh, every indie. <laughs> every single show has chaos in it. You just don't know it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Shibata did have some uh, comments that he gave to Tokyo Sports after the Orange Cassidy match. He said... It's frustrating, really. The result is the same, and I have a lot of things to reflect on in terms of movement. 
I felt that I was back on the battlefield and that the ring is special. Sometimes things go well and sometimes things don't go well. I really felt alive. Said I've always wanted a chance, Shibata continued. I thought that if I waited in Japan, I would never get a chance. I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity I have now. I wanted to give it my all. Then he continued to say that attending Antonio Inoki's funeral last month motivated him to return to the ring. He said there were many things I thought about. If it weren't for Mr. Inoki and New Japan Pro Wrestling, I wouldn't have been born. That is the level I'm talking about. I realize that Mr. Inoki is one of the reasons for my existence. I realize that I must not extinguish the fire of my fighting spirit. He also reacted to Mike Tyson on commentary saying, I watched a lot of Tyson's videos when I was doing mixed martial arts. I respect him. I never thought that five and a half years after my injury, I would be competing in the U.S. and Mike Tyson would be commentating. I thought that if you work hard and live to the fullest, things like dreams can come true. Uh, Chabot said he also plans on wrestling in the near future. He says, I think I will have a match in the near future. I've started to make a move, he said. And we had a question from our user Pumping Bama. Do you think we will have Shibata? We will have a Shibata match at Wrestle Kingdom. We're, we're closer to having a Shibata full gear match than a Wrestle Kingdom match at this point. <laughs> <laughs> TK should have thrown him in that uh, the title eliminator tournament. Oh, that would have been sweet, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, considering like how mid that tournament looks right now. Anyways, maybe he could get a W. Um. Do we think Shibata at Wrestle Kingdom? No, I don't. I don't think he's going to wrestle. I think he'll be there. Sure. Yeah, and I think, too, a thing to think about is just like the, the push of Ren Narita, who we'll talk about here in a second. I mean, essentially, yeah. they, they are making Ren Narita, you know, the, the modern-day Shibata. I mean, he is his own man. They've done a good job of, you know, making sure that he has his his own moveset, his own kind of attitude, his own kind of mission. He's not a complete, you know, copy and paste, but essentially he is like the, the spiritual successor of Shibata. And I think he's like be, the renegade, <laughs> you know, he's I not think, quite the warrior, but the thing but about, like him. <laughs> the, the thing about Ren Narita is that the, the best thing for Ren Narita at some point is going to be to get a win over Shibata. Mm. right like if that's if that's what we're doing with ren and it is like that's what's happening at some point he and shibata need to mix it up and ren's gotta win um no nah, i mean anoki never put over fujinami and he was fine <laughs> <laughs> it's a new it's a new era um <laughs> I mean that's but that would be the classic story, right? Like yeah. he's got to beat his mentor. He's got to beat, you know, he, he but I think we're a long way from that, but if Shibata's having these like random one-offs, eventually he's going to have a match with Narita. It's going to be great. What about how about this? Maybe not Wrestle Kingdom. What about New Year's Dash? Ooh, that could be spicy. I think that would, if he just like shows up at New Year's he Dash shows up and wrestles even as part of a multi-man yeah, that'd be so cool. It, it, that would rule. Um, I actually think that's the play because Wrestle Kingdom, one night Wrestle Kingdom is going to be stacked. Like we're gonna we're gonna have a really good card for Wrestle Kingdom, and if nothing else, it's it's going to be pretty full. There's not going to be a lot of space for like special singles match. I don't think. So New Year's Dash, and they don't like to promote the Shibata matches. So maybe New Year's Dash is the right space for it. Right. Here, here's here's the better call. 
they you know at the beginning of the show they always announce the card and then they they announce Yuto Nakashima versus X. Mm-hmm. And then Yuto Nakashima runs out, does his fucking high speed dash, and then all of a sudden you hear dun 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 dun. <laughs> it's like oh shit. <laughs> 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 he just comes out there and he just molly whops him and just you know kills him. You're going to jail now. <laughs> And there's no explanation, and there's no follow up. He just comes out there and just wrecks a young line, and then just goes home. <laughs> Doesn't even break a sweat. Just walks back out, and he's like, "Nah, that was it." How many matches do you think Shibata's had in the LA Dojo? Oh, thousands. I'm, yeah, hundreds, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, that man really? is wrestling. He's wrestling, he's wrestling in that dojo. He probably yeah. like, calls people up like on off days, like, "Hey, Barrett Brown, like, you, you free right now?" Like, but, listen, I, I I can't tell you if my experience is anything like their experience. I'm sure it's not actually because Matt, Matt goes pretty light on us. But like, I've wrestled Matt, and wrestling your trainer is not like a real match. It's like it's like bumping for him and doing nothing to him. It's just like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like fighting your sensei it's just like letting him do whatever the fuck he wants to and like he doesn't do shit i really wish people could see what you just did <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man and it's like yeah yeah anytime i wrestle matt i've been like how is he so good and also like i don't know what to do i'm just one time i let him pin me he's like that's not the finish it's like i'm just gonna get out of here like, <laughs> <laughs> calling it a day <laughs> Oh man! All right, uh, that's our, our thoughts on uh, Shibata. We'll keep you know stay tuned to see what's his next move that he's talking about, where his next match is going to be. But let's uh, transition over into talking about Battle Autumn. So we had the last two shows of the Battle Autumn tour uh, on November third and the fifth, both in Osaka. So real quick, we'll kind of uh, highlight some stuff here on the November third show. It was the "Quote unquote go home show to to this final November fifth show. So the show opened up. We had uh, the Bebop tag team Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toriano defeating Oiwa and Nakashima. Eight minutes and forty two seconds. Then we had the God team of Hikaleo and Jado defeating the United Empire team of Aaron Hanare and Gideon Gray. Then we had the United Empire team of Great Okan and Jeff Cobb defeating David Finley and Tomioka Hanma. Sugun unit of Doki, El Sparado, and Taichi defeating the Bullet Club unit of Gato, Kenta, and Taiji Ishimori. Then we had the Sugun unit of Yoshinobu Kanamaru and Zack Saber Jr. defeating House of Tortures, Dick Togo, and Evil. Then in the in the sixth match of the evening, we had Bushi defeating Francisco Akira, which then led into the semi-main event, which was Teton defeating TJP. And then the main event was Hiromu Takahashi, Sanada, and Tetsuya Naito of LIJ defeating. Alex Zane, Master Wato, and Ren Narita. So clearly the, the main focus matches here, that uh, Bushi and uh, Akira and Teton and TJP match, uh, those were singles matches that were um, building up to the IWGP Junior Tag Team title match that would open up on the 5th, and I thought those were really fun uh, singles matches. Uh, really enjoyed the Teton and uh, TJP match. I uh, went three and three quarters on, on that one, three and a half on the Bushi and Akira, but I think Two great teams. I've been enjoying the rivalry, and I thought these two matches did a really good job of uh, previewing that tag title match. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed the uh, junior tag team preview. I thought that we've gotten a version of this Paul Heyman special in the past, 
But since the inception of this show, I feel like this was the best version of that that we've ever gotten. Two very good matches. And it was something that really made me feel optimistic about the junior, um, you know, just division in general, especially the junior tag division. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really, really, really good. Yeah, I love a deconstructed tag team um, into into singles matches. I think that that's a really underutilized booking. Um, and I think it's because they protect singles matches more than anything. But um, yeah, super fun. Love the Paul Heyman special. Uh, I think the last time we saw it was the G.O.D. and Tecker's stuff, um, which was not as great um, <laughs> in that in that moment. Um, yeah. Great, good go home show, but it did more than anything set up that first match on the big show in, right. in a couple, you know, a couple days later, which was the the junior tag match, which ended up being really good too. So, um, yeah, I think this was one of those shows where, like, if you had checked out for a little while and you just like popped back in, you're like, I better catch up. Um, this would have gotten you, you know, eighty percent of the way there if you just watched this the the day before you watched Battle Autumn, the big show. So, it's hard to. Yeah. It's hard to, without it being this being Road to Battle Autumn, it's hard to talk about Battle Autumn, the show, which was the show on November 5th, which is my soapbox right now. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was a, it was cool. And, you know, the main event was good, too. Um, kind of a mishmash of, of people on one side and then like a really solid unit on the other is kind of always is always a good time. Um, shame to see Alex Zane eat the pin, but you know, you got to protect Watto and Narita. So, um, that's Dude, what it Zane, was. Zane took a hell of a dis- dis- uh, dis- Yeah. Dis- yeah. And we had t-shirt Naito the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Jacket, um, Gideon gray jacket, t-shirt Naito. <laughs> did, did you guys know, <laughs> did you notice how, um, during the previous, uh, like preview tag, it was Teton that came out to save Bushi, right? But then during Teton's match, Bushi didn't help him at all. That's LIJism at its finest. <laughs> These guys being out there, not helping each other. Meanwhile, United Empire members, they're they're helping each other the entire time. Like it's just an ongoing thing that people like never seem to talk about. But these LIJ, you know, these dudes don't help each other. Dude, there was I one mean, point in the match where I was like, did Bushi just like like, did he go to the back? Did he get hurt? <laughs> yeah, I thought he disappeared. And then I was like, oh, there he is. He popped up. And I was like, he might as well not be there. He's not doing anything. I mean, Titan just didn't read the bylaws. Mm. Like, there's no helping LIJ unless it's... No, that's it. There were no bylaws for him to... He just showed up uninvited. It was like, can I that's true. be part of your guys' group? <laughs> he was like, I heard there's a junior tag league coming up. Like, you Bushi. Look... Bushi looks short. Bushi, did you know about this? And he's like, yeah, of course I knew about it. <laughs> he took the credit. He had no idea. Bushi's like, I didn't know about this, and I didn't know about Dick Togo stealing my mask in <laughs> 2020. <laughs> Speaking of uh, masks being stolen, I thought that they were going to try to steal Teton. Well, they did steal Teton's mask. Like, yeah, this uh, TJP dude, like, he, he does not like luchadors. He wants to steal every single one of their masks. Yeah, I actually think TJP loves luchadors. And he wants all their masks for, <laughs> for, for his home collection. Just for his collection, yeah. He's like, I'm not buying the replica. I'm just going to steal it straight off the wrestler. Now, yeah, um, the OG. 
As far as the main event goes, one thing I will say is even though Zane took a, a nasty uh, Destino, they gave him a pretty awesome like shine sequence right at the end to kind of show his stuff, which was kind of cool because that was like the only like highlight he had the whole match, and he he made the most of it. Yeah, I thought Zane looked really good there. Really fun main event. A uh, couple other things to note: House of Torture did jump Hikaleo at the end of his match to set up the next night's. Uh, you know, I guess it's not a never title match, but I guess never number one title. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, House of Torture jumped Hikaleo, and then um, Evil and Zack Saber Jr. had a uh, pull apart brawl at the end of their match to kind of set up their. Uh, TV title match the next night. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of different little angles there post match for a lot of stuff that built up to uh, the November fifth show. So uh, we had a question from Death Triangle Seven Twenty. Says, "What do you think about the Battle Autumn show overall?" So before we go about each match overall, what did you guys think about the November fifth uh, show closer of uh, Battle Autumn? I think it was one of the best New Japan shows uh, in the pandemic era. I, think, I thought know. it I thought it was really good. Um like I just I just thought it was really good. Like I didn't think it necessarily topped out top to bottom. Like I don't know. I saw certain like certain fans that were like really freaking out about how great it was. And I from a match quality standpoint, I didn't think it delivered at the highest of highs. But consistently across the board, it was just really good. But not only just good, it had a mix of things that have sort of been missing from some of the better New Japan shows that kind of are staples of the New Japan product. You know, like that opener with the juniors and a a robust undercard and just different guys highlighted and awesome squash. And then your top end main event, like it just kind of felt like a throwback show and it had good attendance and it had a good vibe like. Overall, it just kind of felt like a pre-pandemic show, even though the crowd was, uh, and I was trying to catch this all night. It was a clap crowd, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So I, I wasn't crazy. I was like, are they just being quiet? It's Osaka. I don't know. But um, yeah, even though it was a clap crowd, it, it it felt like regular New Japan. And there's been, I, I would argue there are actually some shows that have been better during the pandemic, but they didn't capture that essence of New Japan the way that this one did. Yeah, from top to bottom, yeah, this was a, a really solid show, really fun. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely a candidate for show of the year. Like you mentioned, Josh, it just had so many elements of like what a really good, like big New Japan show should be. Mm-hmm. I, I also look back at like recent Power Struggle shows, which is the slot that this is in, and I mean. Power Struggle has always been, I mean, kind of the last big thing before Wrestle Kingdom. So something usually happens. Um, and a couple of things happened here. But the only the only note that I have about this show is that the main event of Wrestle Kingdom doesn't feel as... It wasn't made to feel super important on mm. this particular card, right? Like... It, this this the tag match between Okada and Tamatanga and Jay White and Kenta was good, and I think they teased some things, but it didn't necessarily like elevate that to like main event level, especially when you've got Will Osprey and Tetsuya Naito in the main event, just like tearing down the house with the U.S. title. 
And, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they light a fire under Okada versus Jay White coming up here as the main event of, you know, the Tokyo Dome show that's going to sell more tickets than any show that they've had since 2020. So Maybe. you want it is. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's already it already, has. Has. Oh, it already has. OK, yeah, yeah. I think it's already someone said it's already surpassed like the last three Tokyo Dome, all all three Tokyo Domes of 2021 combined in ticket sales. Yeah. So you're, awesome. we're looking. Yeah, we're looking at a, a good, healthy house. I mean, it's not going to be 40,000, but I think we're looking at a good, healthy house in 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 the Tokyo Dome. And that's your main event. So we got to make that big. Right. And like it's hard not to make an Okada main event in the Tokyo Dome big. But um, I want to see how they really you know, light that fuse a little bit more. That's my only uh, note on this show. Bro, ship sailed. There, I mean, like, we, we know the the patterns and booking styles of Ghetto and of New Japan, and it's like, this was their shot. They didn't do it. They're not in tag league. They're not on the tours. The last shot that they're going to have to do that is... Road to Tokyo Dome. The two or three Road to Tokyo Dome shows, and I don't know. I mean... At the end of the day, when it comes down to that, that whole entire program just feels par for the course and not in a good way. And if Okada wins, it's just going to be like, all right, they just went the the regular route. The only cool, exciting thing you could do is maybe have like Jay White win, but then it's Jay White and he's kind of had a lackluster run if we're being completely honest. So I think most people are kind like most like diehard new japan fans are kind of looking at that match as almost a stopgap to what cool fun exciting thing are you going to give me at the end of that match or on the next night at road to tokyo dome because the match is inevitably going to be great but the the actual program is very dull and there's no other way to put it and they had a good opportunity to do something cool fun new exciting here and they didn't do any they didn't deliver anything at all and if my guess is correct i really do think we're getting at this point mox and and uh will osprey in the dome they're gonna have a tough time i know that that's not necessarily a domestic audience's dream match but it will be the first time they do that match in japan if that's what ends up happening i think they might have a like a bigger match on their hands when it comes to just star power from that you know from just general interest worldwide. I don't know. Yeah, and we, we do have a lot of questions about the Tokyo Dome main event and the Jay White Okada program. We'll save those when we get to that tag match. Let's start looking at the, the matches on the show. So the show opened up. We had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Talk on the line. We had the uh, Catch-22 team, TJP and Akira, defending the titles against... Bushi and Teton from LIJ successfully defending those titles in 11 minutes and 36 seconds. What'd you guys think? This match gave me, I mean, I, when I flipped the show on and then, you know, I kind of, I watched through this match. It gave me that, like, it gave me such a nostalgic feeling like, Oh yeah, this is how new Japan shows open. They open with the junior tag title and a good 11, 12 minute junior tag match. And, and, Akira and TJP are really good. Teton's a really fun addition to that like division as a whole. And and I I'm a Bushi believer. I like Bushi a lot. 
when he come when he shows up, he shows up hard. So this was really good. Um, no, yeah, no complaints about that. But again, it like it gave me a vibe of what this show was going to be. Like the energy was good in the building. There was it was even if they weren't able to cheer, the seats were full, right? Right. Four thousand people in the same room, like that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and Dragon Gate ran the same building the next day and did twenty two hundred and allowed cheering, which was also a really fun show. If you're looking for something else to watch or something whoa, whoa, else whoa, whoa, to dip whoa, your whoa. toe into, no don't one. even. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't want to hear it. <laughs> if, if you're looking for something else to watch. Check out that Dragon Gate show too, but same room. Like it's a totally different vibe though. Um, mm. cause it's the same room, 2,200 people cheering aloud. So mm. ultimately what that tells me is that New Japan financially made the correct decision with going with the clap crowd configuration because they were able to sell 1800 ish more tickets, probably even at a higher price than Dragon Gate to, um, to their fans and, and to, to make that income. So. No, no shame in that game, though. I would love to see those restrictions start to ease up uh, in some of the bigger sh- on some of the bigger shows. We've got a lot of them on the road twos. Yeah. We've got a lot of them on the World Tag League shows and the Junior Tag League shows. But the first, I, I, I'm waiting for the first big room end of tour show. That's a cheering show, and I think that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a pretty pivotal moment. So, but you know, otherwise, back to the point. This this match gave me a vibe that this show was going to be really good. Yeah, and it was. I thought that the uh, commentary team, I they echoed a lot of the sentiments that we on this show have had, and other you know fans online have kind of echoed as well. Just that this is sort of a throwback and and harkens to you know the the good old days of New Japan, where you have incredible junior tag teams opening up big shows like this and. I didn't think that these guys um, missed whatsoever. I felt like they really delivered, you know, for a sub 12 minute junior tag team title match. They went out there, they worked really, really hard. Um, You know, Bushi and Teton, they won the match, the two matches the previous night, and they've been winning the majority of the matches on the tour. That might've been a, a giveaway, I guess, to some extent that they were being made to look very strong and then ultimately failed in their, you know, attempt to beat Akira and TJP. They did set up sort of a a quasi leg injury angle the night prior for Teton. And I was wondering if that was going to come into play here. Ultimately it didn't seem to be something that they continued, but um, yeah, the match was great. I loved TJP on the, uh, the presser the night before this man is very underrated when it comes to the mic and very underrated. Like he is a menace as a heel when it comes to cutting promos. Like <laughs> he was scathing, bro. Like people, people probably don't know because I, I, I can't imagine that a lot of the Western audience is tuning in for all those pressers, but he did a great job. And this uh, has been a very, very fun rivalry. And I'm sure we're going to see it run back here very shortly in the, uh, you know, super junior tag league, but great match this was something that felt like it really revitalized the junior tag scene and was a great way to lead into you know junior tag league and um akira and tjp they really kind of already like you know made a little notch for themselves as far as it uh comes to like defending that junior tag team title yeah i thought this was a very action-packed 
you know, fast-paced sprint match to kick the show off. Really fun. Definitely, you know, reminded me of, like, Young Bucks versus uh, Rapungi Vice or, you know, Red Dragon, that that kind of, you know, 2018, 2017 junior tag division. So a really fun, fast-paced uh, matchup here. From right from the bell, you had the LIJ team doing the double drop kick and double toe pace spot right from the start. And there was so many just great double-team moves. And, like, it was kind of like bam, bam, bam. Like, there wasn't a lot of, like, holds or, you know, Cutoffs for heat, like it was kind of like bam, bam, spot, spot, spot. Really fast, fast pace, big dives, big cool moves. Kind of that high pace action that you want to see in your opener. You know, a lot of times they say that the show opener should set the pace for the show and kind of give you kind of a feel of what the show is going to be like going forward. And I thought that these teams did a great job with that, setting this kind of high pace, high energy, action packed to let you know, all right, this is going to be uh, a great show. And uh, toward the end of the match here, we had a great near fall with um, TJP and Akira going for their catch-22 double knee finisher, which they established on this tour. Uh, T-Town was able to kick out of that, but then eventually they hit the the leaning tower, um, the elevated cutter onto T-Town to get the uh, win for the team there. And so UE catch-22, they retain the titles and will walk into Super Junior Tag League as the champs. So moving on to the next match, we had more United Empire in action as Aaron Hanare, Lord Gideon Gray, Kyle Fletcher, and Mark Davis. They defeated the team of Alex Zane, David Finley, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Toroyano. So this was Aussie Open's debut in Japan. So good to finally have these guys here. And of course, we had the, the great introductions uh, by Gideon Gray for all the uh, United Empire guys here. Gideon Gray is a gem. I mean, <laughs> he, he's so. I'm very glad that he is is where he is. He he made this he, it, the whole night really. Whenever United Empire showed up, he was there. And um, yeah, what a what a. Gem. I don't know why he's wrestling when he could just do intros. But he's um, hilarious yeah. when he wrestles. <laughs> well, well, that yeah, there is that. And he looks like such a slime ball, which is perfect. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, he came on a screen, and my wife was in the room, and she goes, ew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else? What other reaction can you have? You're just kind of like, oh, God. <laughs> um, but he's perfect. And Ozzy Open was the the clear feature here. Um, awesome to see them finally get, a, get at least one match in Japan. There will be more um, coming up. But, yeah, good you know, classic undercard, multi-man tag. Everyone gets their stuff in 10, 10 minutes later. And, you know, Gideon Gray didn't eat the pin. He, I mean, the man is a winner when it really comes down to it. He has, I mean, I think he's like 13 and one. So oh wow, I don't, you can't, uh, some, it's something like that. You can't, I know I'm the stats guy. I'm supposed to know things, but <laughs> this is last minute. All right. No time for research. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's up there. He's only got the one loss. So I don't know. Maybe he's the ringer. Maybe, yeah. So, yeah, big win here. Aussie Open, they hit the Coriolis onto Toriano. Get the win here. And at this point in the show, we're 2-0 and for the United Empire. It made me think, all right, are we going to get clean sweep throughout the night? Are we going to get the, the UE golden roll call uh, towards the, the end of the show? Um, so, very interesting here. And, of course, obviously this is going to play into World Tag League. We know Aussie Open is going to be in there. Also, uh, Tanahashi and Yano will be in World Tag League, so we kind of got a little preview of that here in this match. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match, and I'm glad to see um, 
you know, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher sort of be able to flex their, you know, muscles when it comes to just showcasing what they're capable of doing as a tag team. We're going to get more of that during World Tag League, and it's going to be, you know, very, very good. I agree with you, uh, Chris, when it comes to getting green, and I'm sure you've you've heard week after week, like we are definitely uh, fans of the antics and everything like that. I will say, even though he is a winner, um, we learned the night prior that he is lower on the totem pole than Jado. <laughs> <laughs> so he he occupies a very rare space where he is just barely above the, the lines, but he is at the very, very bottom rung. He is underneath, I got to imagine, Jado and Ghetto, and probably Hanma. Like, I think he's beneath, like, all the other guys. Oh, did you see Hanma and Noah? I no, I haven't seen that match yet. Was he not good? I, he looks old. Mm. <laughs> he is old. <laughs> I know, but I mean, so is the whole Noah roster. So when you're so he fit the, right in, <laughs> you would think he's looking at making a little soft jump. I don't know. Um, he might be able to challenge for the G, the global honor championship. <laughs> he could win it he could, and win. Uh, <laughs> he could, and then not drop it. <laughs> I definitely couldn't couldn't possibly drop that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, this match was good. Um, you know, there's not much here to say. It, it was kind of a just a fun, you know, eight man tag, fast action, fast paced kind of preview match, and it was good to see. Uh, yeah, it's good to see United Empire sort of united and everybody on the card, and to see Aussie Open make their mark. Yeah. So then, following that, we had one of the highlights of the night here. Hikaleo defeating Yujiro Takahashi, 28 seconds. Uh, boys, I gave this five stars. Incredible, incredible stuff here. <laughs> Love this match. No notes. <laughs> it was exactly what it should and needed to be. And you know what's the funny thing, too, is like um, all week, I don't know why I wasn't thinking of the time correctly. I was like, what if Carl does find a way? Like, what if he works... Saudi Arabia and then somehow shows up here. But then I realized like that this show happened first and then the Saudi Arabia show was happening. So it's not like he could work that and then show up here. Like he would have had to work this jump on a plane and then go to crown jewel. And yeah, so um, that was kind of out the window, but he went out there and boy, did he fuck up you <laughs> Yeah. So before the bell uh, show and you they're both attacking Hikaleo as Jado is just watching <laughs> the whole time. Uh, but Hikaleo overcomes. He takes out both Show and Yujiro, tells the ref to ring the bell, grabs Yujiro, big choke slam, one, two, three, 28 seconds later. This is over. Big win for Hikaleo. Post match, he gets the mic and he calls out Carl Anderson. So, seems like we're going to get that never open with title match, probably at Russell Kingdom, the Tokyo Dome. Of uh, Anderson defending against uh, Big Bad Hikaleo here. I do like that they've made this into like Hikaleo's decision. He's like, no, 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 you don't get to vacate. You have to face me. And then you know they send in Yujiro as a as a stopgap here. Um, and Hikaleo did exactly what he needed to do. This man is humongous. Yeah. I just want to be clear: if you've never seen him, kind of like up close and personal, like this man is massive. He's I, and so with with good reason, New Japan is looking at him like he could very well be 
a player, right? A role player for their, for that company for a really long time. Um, so they're, they're building him up. So, but I, I, you know, I was really critical and skeptical of, you know, the Carl Anderson Hikaleo thing. I've, you know, it's been clear that it's been kind of storyline the whole time to me at least. And now I, I feel like whatever they're doing is, is working because now I'm kind of hyped on that match. And I wasn't before, like when it was announced, even for this show, I was like, okay, like, I guess that's a match that'll happen. Like, I guess either one of them could win depending on what Carl Anderson's got going on. But this, this made me feel like the company's really behind Hikaleo, at least for the moment for some sort of push. Um, You know, I love to see new guys in the mix too, because we just haven't experienced that in such a long time with new Japan. So now we see Hikaleo in the never title mix. And, you know, as we go through the rest of the card, we'll see some of the other guys that are kind of popping back up or, or returning from excursion. And we're seeing some of these guys in, in the mix too. So it's a clear defined path that they want to get these young guys involved at a, at a high level, or at least in some sort of championship program, which I think is awesome. Yeah. I don't want to rediscuss all the Carl Anderson stuff, but I agree with you, Chris. Um, my one of the big complaints I've had is throughout all this, it's kind of felt like to a certain extent that Hikaleo hasn't felt like a focal point in all of this. But for the New Japan audience that was watching on this night, it was pretty clear him going out there and squashing an established guy like Yujiro. I mean, granted, we don't all have the highest opinion of him, but he doesn't generally go out there and do quick, you know, 28 second squashes and to see him like take the ride. One, two, three, and Hikaleo looking like a killer. That was pretty fucking awesome. So uh, I'm at the point where, like, I would like to see him do that to Carl Anderson on January 4th. <laughs> well, this was probably the template for this match because obviously Hikaleo or Yujiro uh, wasn't the original opponent. So they probably had this, like, already booked out with this nine match card. Like, this is going to be a quick squash. And so, oh, you know, let's put Yujiro in here and we'll do the same thing at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> I'm very skeptical that that's the truth. But <laughs> if it ends up being that way, I'll be happy because, hey, you'll have really made a guy. If you haven't got there yeah. and just beat two dudes, like, quick, 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 boom, boom, boom. And, you know, not only will he look like money, but he'll also really have established that finisher to where it's like, oh, shit. Like, he gets you by the throat and he puts you in the air like, you're done. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm loving it. I bet Carl Ander- Anderson could take a hell of a choke slam too, bro. I could just like flail, just flailing his legs around. <laughs> like maybe his boots go off into the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> into the, into the stands. Like I could see it. I could see it. He's a comedy guy, so that's that's right up his alley. I, I just I like this because it put the the spotlight on Hikaleo as opposed to the controversy of yep. Carl and the Never title. Well, speaking of the controversy, we did have two questions here about Carl. First from Red User Viking Pain. It says Michael Cole dropping nuggets about New Japan like Bullet Club and the Never title at Crown Jewel makes me wonder if there really is something going on behind the scenes of New Japan and WWE. I know you guys like to dabble in conspiracy theories from time to time, so you tell me. I don't dabble. I take that shit and I spread it out on the table and I snort it up. <laughs> Wow. No, I'm just playing. Um, no, there's nothing going on. And WWE, in the past, Michael Cole has made 
numerous IWGP and Bullet Club references. It's only under recent, you know, circumstances and regimes that they were forbidden from making New Japan references. And since then, new management, they're allowed to make references. They make references to other companies and other historical things as well, not just New Japan. And they're not working with those companies either. So, yeah, I don't, that's just, it's just whatever. Like, it's just a thing that they're doing. I think the perception is that WWE operates in this like isolated bubble and they don't pay attention to other wrestling. And that's clearly not the truth because they recruit wrestlers from other places all the time. And people come in and they come in at like an appropriate slot, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And they, they, they've always like made these strange references to the club or the OC or whatever. And some of that's just, probably some sort of tongue-in-cheek reference to bullet club because they can't do they can't make any money using the bullet club name right right so they can make money with oc or the original club or the club or what you know whatever they want to call themselves in that very moment so michael cole being you know actually when it comes down to it a person that's been involved in wrestling for longer than you know a a lot of your listeners have been alive probably <laughs> like he knows he knows all this stuff and he just he's never had a chance to tap into it and they're never going to tap into it the way AEW does where like right. if it happens in wrestling it's it's part of AEW canon or ROH or whatever right but like to mention New Japan Pro Wrestling and to mention that this man is the never openweight champion like they did the same thing with Mickey James when she came back for the um Royal Rumble for the Royal Rumble and Alberto was, Del Rio when when Mickey James was the impact women's champion they she had the belt she came out they talked about it like they put it over a little bit so like this stuff's not that out of the question um is are they gonna like announce that Carl Anderson is fighting in Japan no probably not they're just gonna let these things happen but also Carl Anderson luckily not a protected guy so he can clearly come to new to back to Japan and get beaten and go back to WWE and, you know, start working on his second pool. Here's the thing. Everything that they said benefited WWE. They mentioned the whole history of the Bullet Club. Why? Because the two former leaders of the Bullet Club are feuding in WWE. So they're trying to find a way to tell their story with their characters and hearken back to an old kayfabe. But they're not putting over the Bullet Club. They're not putting over New Japan Pro Wrestling. And when they mentioned that Carl Anderson's never champion, well, he's working for WWE. So how does that, who does that benefit? It benefits WWE. We've got someone else's champion working in our company. Right. We it's all a, about that. An international champion. Yeah. Like everything that they do is for them. It's not for the benefit. You think they, they're benefiting Shinihan? Go <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Yeah. I mean, if you watch like the NXT, you know, original presentation, the black and gold, like, the commentators would mention that when Nakamura would come in, when Balor would come in, all these guys would come in. They, they would mention, yeah. yeah, this guy was a former IWGP junior champion. This guy was an IC champion. He wrestled in the Tokyo cool. Dome. Like, they would even use some of the footage, you know, the courtesy of New Japan footage in the build-up guys. So that that's nothing new. I mean, heck, we had Jushin Thunder Liger on a NXT takeover, and they still weren't working together. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see stuff like this, especially with Triple H in charge and also, Triple H is, is a pro wrestling fan, has a little bit different taste than his father-in-law. Um, so I think as things happen and as guys come in, we will hear 
references will hear the words pro wrestling and other titles, but doesn't mean that they're working together or completely changing their philosophy altogether. Yeah, and IWGP has always been an accepted term that they'll use because it's not calling out another promotion. IWGP is this governing body of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but that allowed them, truthfully, it allowed them the space to reference something that happened historically, but not mention another company, right? So, and never, I guess, kind of does the same thing, though these guys now seem a little bit more... um, willing to mention bullet club and and like the use the real words right where you know and i i think part of that is that they've seen the success or at least the perception of success of aew using you know the pro wrestling world as their world and my bet is there's a certain part of them that wants to battle that by just also doing the same thing and making it less of a point of differentiation so and this is this is a kind of a soft way of doing that yeah uh another question here from hawaiian punch bv he says did you see the six-man tag at wwe blood money was it worth the whole mess of carl anderson after you drove got choke slammed to hell do you think carl anderson is currently looking at ups options to ship the title back to the new japan offices i think this whole thing is carl anderson's idea so no i think you know i may there's there's a certain part of me that thinks he really just wanted that match to be in the Tokyo Dome and he's stalling, right? Which is, <laughs> that's fine. For the that's big fine. payday. Elite well, you get, the, you get the payday and you get the, the singles match in the Tokyo Dome. I mean, that's a big deal for a lot of people. So, but uh, A, no, I didn't see the match. I, I didn't, I'm not going to watch that show. Um, I'm sure it wasn't worth it. I'm sure it was worth it to Carl Anderson's pocketbook. Um, but when it comes down to it, like, yeah, I I think this whole thing is actually Carl Anderson's idea. And he, he I think he likes Hikaleo and he wants him to build himself up and then, you know, kind of earn the match at potentially the Tokyo Dome. It could be somewhere else. Right. I don't want to even pencil that into the Tokyo Dome card, but I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, I have to wonder how Tony Khan and AEW feel about that. But that's a whole. No- it depends on what they're doing with their guys on that particular card. But um, yeah, when it comes down to it, I think I think Carl Anderson will have one more match in New Japan, and it'll be to drop the title at least at least one more. So, and I, I would bet that they're they've got the Tokyo Dome start on the calendar. We've spent weeks and weeks talking yeah. about the Carl Anderson stuff. I I feel like we've gone over it pretty extensively but now it's good because it's actually building up hikaleo right and that's that's the only thing that's positive about as far as the question goes i mean if you want to see the match it's out there you know if you want to see if it was good or not i'm sure the scores are out there it's a wwe six-man tag it's dominic was involved in it that should probably (laughs) tell you everything you need to know (laughs) yeah i I didn't see the match i I also have not watched any of saudi arabia shows or any of those weird other country special things they do i just I'm so disconnected from WWE. I have like no feelings or emotions or care about anything to do. I don't watch the product. So yeah, I definitely did not check it out. Um, so moving on to the next match, we have the first semifinal match in the NJPW world television title tournament. The son of strong style, our boy Ren Narita defeats the Cole Skull Sonata 
14 minutes and 31 seconds. I was so relieved when <laughs> Brenda Rita won this match because even if it was evil, regardless, it was like, okay, Renda Rita got through. We don't have to deal with Sonata and his fucking shaggy ass face and everything that's going on with his whatever's going on with him. Like handsome Sonata, I can handle. Like bring me handsome Sonata all day, but you know, Muppet Sonata, uh, not a big fan, you know. But uh yeah, the match was good. I, I enjoyed that they were doing so much like shoot style based grappling and Mixing in the world of sports stuff. Very, very, you know, good. Uh, the match was fine. Uh, I thought it, I thought it did exactly what it needed to do, which is put over Renderita and get Sonata out of there. And that's what it did. I, I wish this match ended at, like, the 10-minute mark. Yeah. Right? Because, like, it was really good. And I think it there were 10 minutes of a really great match in this match. Yeah. And there was, like, four and a half minutes of <laughs> not so like honestly like the sonata stall right yep so sonata like the dude can go long his matches are always long you know and also like in this television title tournament like i'm i was i got a little tired of the like 14 minutes yeah you know like everything's over 14 everything you know and then this panic thing and it's just an easy way to book out like dramatic matches so like i get it and a lot of them were really good too, but by this by it was by many. this point, but yeah, by this point, fourteen and a half was not meaningful. Right. You know, yeah. I want it wasn't dramatic because we've used that the whole tournament, which is not that long. But either way, it was they used it a lot, and and I yeah, I wish this match ended at like ten twenty five and was just like all that great stuff and without the some of the filler. I'll tell you right now, if they don't do a coin flip in the finals, they're cowards. Well, so that's <laughs> that's where I'm at. I I figured one of these matches had to come to a coin flip because I don't think they'll do it in the final. So I'm very disappointed that we got zero coin flips in this whole tournament. And I also, I'm kind of curious, are they going to contest the championship match with no time limit because they need to crown the first champion? No, nah, probably they, not. They're gonna do a right? coin flip. They do a coin flip. <laughs> they're gonna go 15 minutes. They're gonna go for a coin flip, and then all of a sudden, Shabazz music's gonna come out, and he's gonna be like, "Fuck that!" <laughs> yeah, he's gonna come out, and he's gonna be like, "Overtime!" And then they're gonna <laughs> five go minutes, into, yeah. They're yeah. gonna go into five minute overtime. You're actually probably right. Here's what I think happened, guys. They, they were playing out this TV title, and they were like, "All right, 15 minute, you know, matches, uh, timeline matches." And then somebody was like, "Oh, what if it goes to a draw?" Uh, coin flip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just we won't actually do one, but we'll say coin flip. All right, that works for me. <laughs> so, but let's think about this. Narita and Zack Saber Jr. are the two guys that have fought Shibata in recent history in in New Japan. Mm-hmm. So Shibata, that your whole scenario, Josh, could happen. Mm-hmm like that that's why i said it yeah (laughs) i know but i'm like i'm over here thinking it through i'm like wait that actually makes more sense than anything the overtime five minutes of overtime or whatever right like right and i think like you know obviously pre orange cassidy you know we talked about you know you want to get Chibata involved the annual 
Wrestle Kingdom appearance, angle, whatever. And so, like, what a great way, like, the two guys that had, like, the his quote-unquote two matches back, like, to have him involved in that way somehow. That sounds great. Let's do it. Or he comes oh. out and he's like, it's now a three-way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Marty Asami's like, uh, no? Yes? Okay. All I know is that I don't really care what they do at this point. They could have done, they could do all of that, none of that. As long as Sonata and Evil didn't end up in this match, we're good to go. So, you know, whatever they want to do at this point is fine. But yeah, I totally agree with, uh, with you guys that I did feel like this match was a little bit too long. I felt there were some some periods where it kind of dragged a little bit, even though the grappling was very good. I felt it was kind of that Sonata mode where he kind of stalls a little bit. But, I mean, the, the ending sequence, even though we did talk about it kind of being overdone with like, the time limit, I did think it still kind of worked here um, with... One minute left on the clock. These guys start throwing bombs. Sonata goes for a spinning lariat. And then Narita just catches him with the Narita special number four, that overhead belly-to-belly. Perfect yeah. bridge. One, two, three. Pins this bum, gets him out of here, and then advances to the Tokyo Dome. I, I popped. I was super happy. Like we mentioned, we've been riding for Narita since 2017. Young Lion Cup, where he, he you know he's fighting Yagi. And to see him now, Tokyo Dome, Big matchup, like, let's go. Hey, if you're Sonata and you're losing to the guy that was a line not so long ago, you got to go back to the drawing board. You got to go back to the line. You know, you got to fight the Brooklyn Brawler and work <laughs> your way up The at this point. You Captain, know? Captain New Japan? You got to fight needs, Captain New Japan. He's got to go spend some time with Muda and, you know, just get back to his roots. <laughs> <laughs> the great Sonata. The great Sonata. Oh, uh, man. Uh, so we had a question here from uh, Rambo and Slam Pig. How do you think the company has handled Narita's return from Excursion so far? Um, my only criticism is that they didn't have more fanfare for him when he came in, which is usually a telltale sign that they have big plans. Aside from that, as far as the actual handling of it, they pretty much constructed an entire tournament to get him over and a new title to make him a big deal whether he wins it or not i'm assuming he's going to win it either here or down the line one or the other so and i mean you take a look at the guys he's beaten it's like sonata yano ishii these are maybe not the biggest names but for a guy returning from excursion those are solid names to have on your resume right out the gate and then if he does turn around and beat Zack Sabre Jr., which is a tall, tall task, but if he does it, it's like he's a killer right out the gate. They've really made him into a guy, which they didn't even like roll the carpet out for Okan that same way when he returned. So I think that they've done an exemplary job. Yeah, I think it's been great. I'll I'll truly be able to kind of assess how they've handled his return after he has the match with Zack Sabre Jr. Um, Because if he wins it, I mean, he's a made man, right? And like, we don't really know where this title gets slotted in, I guess, the the hierarchy of titles with New Japan. Like, I think we've really established that the US is the kind of secondary title now. Yeah. Never is going to live with, you know, I guess the bigger guys. And then this is the kind of the speed you know, 15 minute speed uh, title, but 
I don't know where that sits. Does that sit above or below the never, or is that just kind of one of those kind of things that's going to flip flop all the time? And I, I think that's probably the more likely scenario is like never is still kind of in the same slotting. And then this, this title is where the U S used to be where like, sometimes it's elevated when it's with the right person. And sometimes it's not um, when it's with someone that's kind of just a holdover. So ultimately though, like Narita looks like a badass. His matches have been good. Um, he's kind of unaligned. He doesn't really have, you know, I think that's maybe the next phase of like, who does he start to pal around with and partner with? And mm-hmm. does he end up joining a unit or is he always this like, you know, solo guy? Like it, that, that's going to be the interesting stuff going forward. But again, they, they did, they put together this tournament, they put him in it and they said, this is yours, man. So, and the, the final will be a really big match for him. Um, and that I think will be more telling about how they've handled his return than anything else is a, like, where does that match get slotted on the wrestle kingdom card and B who wins it? And I don't know that it necessarily matters if he wins or not, but I think, I think if they put the belt on him, it's giving him a lot of praise and a lot of things to work with because these are the matches that they're going to put out there for free to sell the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is, that's a lot of responsibility for a new, for a new guy. Um, and, but he, he's ready to handle it. I think it, three years of excursion. I mean, like the, the man yeah. came, came back, a you know, a, a different person than he was, uh, when he left in 2019. Yeah. As far as where that match goes, they should put it to a fan vote. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but like we said last week, you know, Narita, like, and Chris, you know, this too, and watching New Japan strong, like. Narita's been having bangers the past year in the U.S. You, you look back at what he's been doing on Strong with, you know, Filthy Tom and, and Fred Rosser and some of these other guys. Like, he's been having these kind of great Barnett. matches. Yeah, Josh Barnett. Like, he, he's kind of been like, kind of essentially groomed to kind of what he is right now in New Japan. And I do think, like, you, I agree with you guys. I think they've been handling it, it great so far. You know, initially, like, Josh, I was a little bit kind of concerned that they didn't have the big – you know, vignettes and video packages. I mean, even Master Watto got it. Some kind of like, you know, he's coming video package. Oh however, however, though. that, that <laughs> legendary pan, <laughs> the camera just pans over and you see Watto's face. Oh, but God, what a what a what a perfect video package for that man. We should have an episode where we do New Japan wrestle crap and we just find the like shittiest things that they've done over the whole course of this show and just review those things <laughs> back. Uh, but if you think that would be one of them, if you think of uh, Ren Narita's character, like would you necessarily want, like would a son of strong style really want though, this big like promo package and vignette kind of stuff. Like what a Shibata, yeah. what a Shibata character want this kind of, you know, crazy vignette I'm coming back or just an announcement. Like, Hey, I'm back. I'm going to start whooping people like right now. So yeah, I thought this, the, the, everything has been great so far. I agree with you, Chris. Kind of how what's going to happen in the dome. I think it's going to be kind of a, a bigger answer of how where he's gonna, really going to be slotted, where they see him, um, especially if he gets the, the win on Zach like that. That's like skyrocket. Put the rocket on this kid. Huge, huge moment that could happen. I do think yeah. it's fun. Oh, good. I was going to say that could be a huge moment for Zach too, though. First yeah. New Japan singles title. Um, yeah. And also, like he's he's pretty good at these little fifteen minute matches too. So yeah, I I don't want to discount that as as being an option. Like I know that it looks 
pretty cookie cutter that Ren is the guy for this title, but Zach's not a bad choice by any means either. Right. Well, I mean, you, you talked about how Ren needed to chase Shibata, his master, yada, yada. Maybe that can happen. Maybe that's not really feasible, but if he loses to Zach in his big crowning moment, that could completely usurp that storyline and create a whole new goal for him. And it's not even just about the title anymore, but it's like, damn, I'm not on the level of Zack Sabre Jr. I've got this new guy that I need to pursue and, and could even create like a long-term rivalry beyond that, you know? Right. And we know that Gato loves booking tragedies. So this could be, you know, the tragedy story for Narita. He gets to Tokyo Dome. He's in a big match. Then he ends up losing maybe with a few seconds left or whatever. And then it's like, all right, now he has to spend the whole year now building back up and chasing until he faces off Sabre again. I do think it's funny that this show's called Keeping a Strong Style. We've been fans of this guy for the entire time. And then suddenly he's the son of Strong Style. It just seems serendipitous. You know what I mean? Mm. It was meant to be. Yep. Faded. <laughs> Uh, so moving on to the other semifinal match in the tournament, we had Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Evil, 4 minutes and 48 seconds. I think another very well-booked-out matchup here. We had the, the opening promo segments. Uh, Sabre was using Kosei Vegeta to uh, cut his promo for him, which was just absolutely hysterical. God, that was brilliant. <laughs> it's <was> so funny. <laughs> the promos before all those matches... Uh, shout out to my twitter there's a thread of all the of all the matches from the um from the tournament all on youtube so easy for people to watch but the promos beforehand like these guys really nailed it like ishii just like looking at the camera and like kind of shaking his head and walking away perfect so no this but this one really took the cake yeah so he had fujita cutting the promo and then he tried to pull you know the same thing he had fujita dressed up like him like he did in the G1 when he faced Evil, and of course Evil and Dick Togo, they were on it, so they, they dragged Vegeta out to the ring, and they're, they're stomping the boots on him, and then Saber's music hits, and you know you, you see somebody in a Saber jacket on the stage, in a hat, doing the pose, and they're like, doesn't, doesn't look like Saber, so you know Togo runs down and ends up being uh, Oiwa, and they start beating him up, and then uh, Saber comes out from the crowd, tries to get the sneak, uh, you know, cradle on uh, Evil, then from there, they had a, a quick sprint where, you know, Saber's out wrestling all shenanigans. Dick Togo accidentally grabs Evil's foot instead of Saber's foot. Uh, Evil's using the young lions like he's Suzuki and body slamming them on Saber. And it's kind of this quick, you know, little five minute sprint until finally uh, Zack Saber is able to uh, one up Evil, get the, the quick roll up there towards the end and advance. Didn't the hat say, I am also Zack Sabre Jr.? Yes, that was great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just brilliant. I mean, that's, oh, God, high comedy. But then you transition over to, like, have a real sprint match. Like, that That ruled. Everything about it was great. Yeah, I didn't need them to go out there and have a classic. I mean, it's evil and Zack Sabre. This is exactly what I wanted it to be. And I love for a group like the house of torture and a figurehead like evil guys that get off entirely on just the shenanigans and the cheating and, you know, usurping the rules entirely that he continuously gets foiled and beaten and outsmarted by Zack Sabre jr. Using even greater shenanigans. It's just so satisfying to see time and time again, like, 
I hope that evil never gets over on this guy ever. Like I hope it's <laughs> a forever thing, you know, forever. and I, I don't even want them to have serious matches going forward. No, I want this to just continue to degenerate into more, young more and more chaos, more, more wild things, more things that I can't give me the DDT ism. I don't generally want that, but in this feud, I will accept it. You want it because Zach is a dick. <laughs> but evil sucks. <laughs> so like so here we are like you finally get to cheer for Zach to be just a total prick because you just want him to go over this dude that you just hate. And it's this perfect little snip of everything that's great about pro wrestling because it's funny but it's also super athletic like cuz they do these I mean this was 4 minutes and they didn't stop moving. Yeah. Um and they but they Zach clearly pays attention to everything evil's doing it just in general because like he sat evil at the freaking timekeepers table mm-hmm. and pushed him over and that i mean while we, he was wearing a chair around his neck because evil was going to do the home run thing like yeah he, zach will play into your own bits but then use them against you which i think is like that is just classic perfect pro wrestling like not heal stuff, but like somewhere in between, right? It's it's what happens to me on the daily. Life does that to me. It yeah. plays into my bits and then uses it against me. <laughs> so I know exactly what it feels like to be evil at that table with the you know. I, be- I believe you. <laughs> uh, we got a couple questions here. Um, first from Hawaiian Punch BB says, with the trend of young lions returning as sons of other wrestlers. Has ZSJ already filled out the adoption papers for Oiwa and Vegeta? Should Yuto Nakashima be looking for a father figure soon? If he returns, will Yuomura be Sonata's brother? <laughs> That's kind well, of Yuomura is the next Okada. Last week, I had a I had trouble differentiating between infanticide and infantilize, and I have this problem where like I try to like use big words, but I don't know how to use correctly. And um, yeah, so infanticide is like when you kill a child, and infantilize is when you <laughs> make a child or you make a grown person seem childlike. And I feel like that's what we're doing with all this son shit. Like we keep infantilizing these wrestlers. Like I, I, I get it, it's fun and it's cute, but like I don't really rock with it that much. To be honest with you, like I don't know. I'm I'm not up on the gimmick. I don't like it. We got to get you a Grammarly Premium subscription so you can <laughs> learn some words. I know the words, Chris. It's just like, you know, it's like when you read and then you think you know how to pronounce something, but then like you hear it actually used. Well, break it down. Infant, infant, right? We're not doing this. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually know. I'm here to be helpful, okay? (laughs) But um, yeah, no, I don't know. I guess guess all the young lions are sons and all the old guys are dads. I mean, it, it is what they're doing right now, though. A little I mean, bit, it, yeah. It's what they're doing with clearly Narita. I mean, like they're you can't deny that. And then Umino, right? He's he's always going to have this Moxley connection, um, even maybe, though he looks maybe. just like Tanahashi. Who's the real dad? Right. <laughs> they're going to have to have a put him Umino on a pole, on a pole match. <laughs> uh, next question for refereed by. Red shoes, you know, <laughs> is real. By his, blood his dad, actual <laughs> father. 
What what if Red Shoes? We knew shit that, was gonna get weird, right? Red Shoes is gonna climb up the the fucking ladder and pull down the contract and sign his own name and be like, Umino. "It was me all along. <laughs> I am your poppy." It's gonna be like I didn't see Moxley or Tanahashi paying your bills growing up. That was me. <laughs> and then he's gonna turn to them and he's gonna go. They're gonna be like, "What?" And he's gonna be like, "Suck it." <laughs> And then Dick Togo's just gonna come out and be like, Yes, this is what I've been talking about. Heat. <laughs> and then Abushi's just gonna be like, All right, I'm ready to return now. Like, do you have an hourglass shaped ring yet? What is what's I keep seeing people talk about it. Is he trying to do an hourglass shaped ring? What's going on? I think the joke is that he was he wants to do he had I, talked about doing a triangular ring and then People are adding that as being like, just do two, put them together, and then you've got an hourglass shaped ring. Can you um, imagine with, what a with like a post like? in the middle? <laughs> It'd be like war games, but with triangles, with That'd like a hilarious. clear point in the middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, next question from Rambo and Slam Pig: In terms of creating the best possible matchup, both in ring and for intrigue, I think the TV title tournament final of Narita versus CSJ is just about perfect. Is there any other matchup you would have preferred? Nope. When we previewed this tournament, I, I took a look at the field and I said, that's going to be the match. I had no real forethought. I didn't do any thinking. It was just a gut decision. And I turned out to be right for once. So yay me. Yeah, I don't, I didn't put that much thought into it, but it's great. So I'm here for it. Yeah, I think this is the perfect scenario. I don't think there's any other matchup they should have gone with. Um, having Rita here, like we talked about, having this youth movement, you know, these guys that were that, that 2018, 2019 Young Lion class are all coming back and being featured in top spots. So I think this was definitely the right call here. So next up, we had the incredible tag team match. We had El Desperado and Master Wato defeating Hiromu Takahashi and the Champion, the IWGP Junior Champion, Taiji Shimori, 16 minutes and 49 seconds. Did you guys watch the press conference for this match beforehand? Yes. I did okay. not. Normally, I, I don't watch those press conferences, but I was like, you know, I got some time. Let's do this. I would highly recommend if you didn't to watch at least this segment because it was, I mean, Hiromu is always incredible in these situations, but it was just so funny. Like, because it was very, they made it very clear during the press conference that Desperado and Watto fucking hate each other and do not want to be on the same team. And not that they really want to team with anyone, but if they were to team with anybody that they really didn't want to be on the same group with, it was that pairing. And then on the opposite end, you've got Hiromu, who like somehow believed that the way that they were drawing the choices was like a contest and he was like if i if i if i win ishimori i win (laughs) (laughs) and then then when he drew ishimori he looks always like i win i win i win (laughs) and ishimori's like what the fuck (laughs) and like romu has like you know deluded himself enough to believe that him and ishimori are friends they get along and Ishimori's like, I'm not your friend. Like, we've never been friends. And he's like, no, we're friends. Like, we get along. It's like, oh, you're so silly. Ishimori-san, like, we get along. And he's like, I hate you. What are you talking about? So it was just so funny to see that 
like groundwork laid during the press conference, and then to see it actually play out during the match, we're like, Hiromu thinks he can count on this guy, and this guy does not want to tag in. He does not want to like work with him in any way. And on on the flip side, like, there's just so much like I thought that this was gonna suck to be honest with you because going into it, they didn't. I didn't think that they did a good job building this from the outset. Um, I didn't think that it was maybe a wise decision to do a can they coexist storyline in New Japan. And I was like, it's a little lazy. But I guess I shouldn't have doubted it considering how talented all the people were that were involved because they went out there and not only had a great match, but told an incredible story utilizing their individual characters and the kayfabe surrounding all their you know, relationships with each other, and it just played out perfectly. Like, it was awesome. This is a great match. It was great. It's very, I mean, the whole setup is very Lucha. Where it, it was extremely Lucha. Right, but it's cool because these guys, really, aside from Ishimori, have ties back to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So, in one way or another, and Ishimori's got... And Ishimori's Lucha Rezu. Well, yeah, true. Right, right. So... Ultimately, they all have these ties back to Mexico. They did this super kind of lucha storyline thing where you tag with the guy that you hate. And I mean, ultimately, I think you're right. Like, it looked like, you know, it looked like a can they coexist. And really, it was more the lucha style of like, I hate this guy so much that I don't even want to win this match. Uh, I don't even care if we win the match, which like in in the in the the world of New Japan like winning matches matters. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so to have this one moment where these guys who are typically great competitors, three out of the four of them win a lot and they had to like act like they didn't care to win the match that this particular match didn't matter is more about, could I chop my, you know, my partner? Or can I, you know, Slap undercut? <laughs> yeah. Undercut who I'm working with. Like this was actually brilliant. And like super different for New Japan, which I think was really kind of cool too. And I think it really livened up kind of the back half of this show too. So I don't know. I was skeptical coming into it too. I was like, ah, this will be lame, but whatever. I mean, I guess I kind of get it. And then when I really realized that they were doing the Lucha thing, I was like, no, this is great. And then they 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 delivered on it too. Like the wrestlers delivered. The wrestling was good. The story advancement's good. I'm actually kind of hyped on this four-way. That's the best thing about it is it actually got me invested in the four way, which I wasn't at all prior to this. So, yeah, I thought this match, lucky guys, was great. And yeah, similar, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know how it's going to work out. But yeah, they made it work very well. Um, a lot of the match focused on, well, obviously, Wato was kind of the star of this match. Like, the other three guys didn't really care about winning, but Wato was like, I want to win this match. <laughs> <laughs> And um, also the dynamics where these guys were like slapping each other to get tagged in, or there's a long period where like Hiromu they were getting heat on Hiromu because Ta- Ishimori did not want to tag in. So Despi and Wato, as that's they... so smart. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't want to defend my title for at least six months, and I don't ever want to tag into a tag match. Why would he want to tag in? The three guys that he's defending against are all fighting each other. So and. His title's not on the line, so what's it matter if he wins or loses? The best case scenario is he never tags in, and all three of them destroy each other. Right. It made a lot of sense. Well, his plan was working for a while, because Despi and, Hiro- and Despi and Wato were beating the crap out of Hiromu for <laughs> <laughs> a long portion of the match, yeah. as uh, Wato and Despi like, slap each other to get in and out, but they were still, like, even though they were hate each other, they were actually working together pretty well, like, beating the crap out of Hiromu. 
And what was just so funny about it was like the whole time, every time Hiromu like took offense, it had an added level of hilarity to me because I just kept remembering where he's like, I win. I (laughs) (laughs) was like, no, bro, you lost. This guy is not going to help you. Yeah. And ultimately it ends with Watto pinning Hiromu, which is so clearly this whole program is meant to build up Watto, right? Like, he got the pin. He got the singles win over Ishimori, and now he's got a pin on Hiromu. So, you know, well, we're 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 making something here. Well, 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 well I, actually, oh, that's too much. I I don't want Watto as champion. We're well, trying really hard to make Watto the person in this four way. Well, Watto has to thank Kushida for for being sick because clearly Watto is in Kushida's position here. Kushida was probably going totally. to beat Ishimori. Yeah, declaration of power, and, and then Kushida would have been in the four way, and Kushida would have been in this spot. Probably would have got the win here. But um, do you think they would have gone? They they wouldn't have done all this for that. I don't think. I don't know. I feel like they they still would have. If you think about to, it, like what, what was you what think was, the inc- the incredible tag? I just don't think it would have had the same weight. I don't think I don't think it would have worked the same. I don't think Kushida. they were doing a four way at all. I think they were going to a singles match between you, the two yeah them personally. But yeah. I will say this: if if New Japan puts the title on Wato, we have lost our way. <laughs> right? But he, he is the Yoshihashi. He should never hold a singles title. But he's the most interesting of these four to hold that title. I mean, I don't know. Just put it back on Hiromu. I'm fine with that. Are you? Yeah. Why? Because do it's we, that. Do you want him to win Best of Super Juniors again, too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm comfortable with that. I don't know. I mean, Watto, I feel like Watto has improved a lot. And I feel like, especially in this tag match and this rivalry, like he's really been standing out. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the Master Watto gimmick, but I mean, we talk about elevating these guys that were from that 2017, 2018, 2019 Young Line classes. I mean, he's one of those guys. And uh, I mean, he's getting better. And if you want, you want to go with him, I mean, the junior title is one where. It could be a easily switch back, change hands the next month. But I'm, I'm only comfortable with Watto winning if we immediately transition in February to Alex Zane winning the title and us pretending like he's a junior. <laughs> I mean, we pretend that Desperado's a junior, so we pretend, yeah, we pretend that Taguchi's a junior. Taguchi, yeah. <laughs> we pretend like Ishii's not a junior. Dingo <laughs> was in the best of the Super Juniors <laughs> tournament. <laughs> Less than four years ago. All right, so I don't. Zane, so, Zane I, I, for champion. We're all agreed. I don't <laughs> think I. I don't think Watto's there. Right. Like clearly, I. I don't think he's at that level. But they're making him a player. They're making him relevant, where he's not just going into this match the the clear pin eater. But he is, and he's gonna. <laughs> He probably will. Yeah, but I mean, at least they've established him. He he beat the champion. He beat Hiromu the first time he's pinned Hiromu in his career. So they're they're building him up. They're establishing him. So like, all right, maybe he'll a shot, but he probably will still be the one end up getting pinned. Team Despy all the way. And I I well, I was gonna say, I wonder what they'll do to prove that he can beat Despy at some point. Maybe Road to Tokyo. It's got to be Road to Tokyo Dome then. Yeah. Yeah. I hope because the four way is technically no DQ, the ace up Desperado's sleeve is that he turns it into a death match without being called a death match. And he just starts <laughs> bringing out like 
boards and shit and you June know, Kasai just shows up. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, Watto has beaten Desperado. He beat him in the first, uh, in the 2020 Best of Super Juniors, but no one remembers that, I'm sure. Mm. He beat him in that tag match with the Vendival, remember, last year? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But no one remembers. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing, is that some of this stuff happens and doesn't, you know. The, the Ishimori match and the him beating Hiromu happened on bigger stages. So I, I do wonder if they put them in a position, if they'll put... Watto in a position with El Desperado at some point during the road to Tokyo Dome shows to, you know, get that get that last piece. Chris Sampson came on this show with the uh, push Watto agenda. That's what I feel like. <laughs> which is which is ironic because the the my typical circle of people that I talk about New Japan with hate him, um, and some of them hate him very publicly and very vocally. Um, but we'll see. I, I don't, I want to, I want him to be a lot better than he is. This is really where I'm at with master Watto. And I also don't want him to be called master Watto. Yeah. We need to uh, evolve past that. That was a weird run, right? In 2020, when these guys came back, master Watto and great Ocon, like they didn't just come back with like their regular names. And now we're bringing guys back with their regular names again. Um, I was worried that we were going all the way down into the like gimmick. I blame the associate. Thing. The associate, sure. <laughs> but uh, we had a question from Hawaiian Punch VP. He says, "Who trolls Hiromu the hardest, Naito or Ishimori?" I still think it's Naito. Probably Naito. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Ishimori is really trolling. Ishimori just really hates him. Where Naito, is, <laughs> <laughs> Naito is just a big brother, like you know, picking on him. Uh, so moving on to the next match, we had Kazuchika Okada and Tamatanga defeating the Bullet Club team of Jay White and Kenta. 17 minutes and 34 seconds uh, as we continue to build up to this Okada and Jay White Tokyo Dome main event. I don't yep. have a lot of thoughts here, really. <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, a preview tag, and it happened, and the good guys won. I will say I'm a little concerned about Kenta going forward, just in general, in life. Um, he just he's starting to show his age a little bit more than I I had seen previously, and maybe it's just he hasn't wrestled a ton since coming back from that injury last year. But yeah, that man's still uh, you know recovering from Wrestle Kingdom last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's still one of the best promos in the game, and I'm sure his book is great. Would love to read it in English, but um, yeah. That that was kind of my takeaway from this match. I was like, oh, oh, Kenta, he, you know, I want I want him to have more career ahead of him. But I, I and I don't think he's going to like descend into old man territory anytime soon. But um, he's definitely still recovering from that from that ladder match. Yeah, sometimes I watch Ken, like Noah Kenta matches. Totally. And I think like, my God. like people don't know this was one of the literally one of the all-time greatest wrestlers that has ever lived and dude he was a man yeah he's oh some of that no it's so good i watched a clip today of him and marifuji and he runs up to the top rope and lifts this dude up and hits him with the top rope falcon arrow oh i've seen that oh my god it's incredible (laughs) i'm like you know, it, it's not the same. This is a different wrestler. It's not the same guy. It's, it's Kenta's everything Seth Rollins thinks he is. 
so I had a bunch of questions here uh, about mainly the rivalry here in building into Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, Def Triangle Seven Twenty asks, "How do you feel about the setups of Wrestle Kingdom? Do you think Jay could retain at Wrestle Kingdom?" Uh, Lazy Binger asks, "How would you heat up this cold feeling main event, Okada versus White?" Also, if they're able to do Osprey slash Omega versus or Osprey versus Moxley for the U.S. Championship Wrestle Kingdom, should they put the main event to a fan vote? And Heavenly Hellbeard said, with Wrestle Kingdom on the horizon, how do you feel about Jay White's title reign so far? Well, I'll start off. So a couple things. I, I We've already voiced our opinion a little bit earlier, so I won't go too in-depth with that, but obviously I'm not happy with what they've done so far. I do think that there is a chance that Jay White retains, although I still favor Okada to win. But as far as heating it up, the only thing I could think that they could do to potentially heat this up beyond what it is right now is they do something completely out of the box at either historic crossover or outside of New Japan in general. If they were to do some sort of real-world altercation that is completely different from what New Japan is typically known for doing, but they do have a past where guys have interactions in real world environments and it and it becomes big news, that could be something. Um I, that, I wouldn't what's that? Anoki did that. Anoki yeah, Anoki and Tiger Jeet Singh Tiger were like Jeet the first Singh, ones yep. to ever do that and it was a really, really big deal. And that would kind of fit the motif of like yeah. being the 50th anniversary and all the Anoki like honoring. Like what if Jay White like assaulted this dude in public in a real situation, then we're then we're like cooking, then we're talking about something. So, but um, with how conservative New Japan just is in general, they don't do stuff like that very often. Like the last time I remember anything that felt like that was like Jericho and Omega at the press conference, which was like, yeah, I love that shit, and I I I wish they would do something like that here, and they haven't. It just feels like, you know, like I said earlier, par for the course. Um, as far as like the double main event thing is like, I do think that hypothetically, if Moxley shows up and wrestles, uh, Osprey, that might for the international audience be a bigger deal, but they're never going to put two Gaijin in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom over Okada. Like that's just not going to happen. And, um, as far as the title reign, I mean, I feel like Jay's kind of been fucked like twice when it comes to his title reign. Like anytime you get a title, just before the uh, two big tournaments of the year, it kind of really, you know, handicaps what you're capable of doing with that rain, especially if you're dropping it, you know, shortly after those tournaments happen. And that's what happened in the first and second title rain. So. Yeah, there's not much to talk about with Jay White's title rain, except for, I guess, his G1 run, but that's kind of a separate box in, in all right. itself, you know? So there's not a lot of defenses. There's no random defenses at all, right? Where like guy comes out after Jay White has a, has a title match and challenges him. And then that's just the next program. Like that's what I want to see from a Jay White title reign that I don't think we've seen is like that. Those types of defenses, not the tournament winner defense, not the guy that beat him in the tournament defense. Like I want to see who pops out of that curtain after a Jay White, a successful Jay White defense and um, and challenges out of the blue. 
So with that said, I hope Jay wins at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't I, I wouldn't bet on that. I you know, I, I I'd give it a forty-eight to fifty-two that I think Okada's going to win because it's a happy moment, especially on the off chance that people are able to cheer in the Tokyo Dome. Um, but that's that whole thing is kind of Jay White's bit, the cheering, the vocalizing, getting people to boo him, etc. Like the match will be really good. Jay White is great in the Tokyo Dome. Okada is a legend in the Tokyo Dome. These guys are going to show up and they're going to have, a, you know, just an undeniably good match. The build, I think, to some extent, doesn't really matter. These guys are both made guys. They're huge. They're big stars. Um, they've been established for a really long time. So I don't necessarily think this match needs this big kind of overdrawn, uh, overbooked build, though I like Josh's idea um, of doing something totally out of the box, which I think would be cool. But um, and, and, you know, in, in the sense of if they're going to do Osprey Moxley, I think that's probably the more likely path here. Um, if they're going to do Osprey Moxley for the U.S. title, yeah, I think that's going to drive some New Japan World subscriptions. I think people are going to be really interested in it. I don't think it's quite to, you know, Omega Jericho by any means. But if that's the play, that's still not a main event of the Tokyo Dome. That's a main event in a lot of different buildings. It's probably not a main event in the Tokyo Dome at, at this time when Moxley hasn't been around. You know, Osprey is really building up the U.S. championship, which I think is awesome. Osprey and Moxley had a hell of a match in the spring in Chicago, um, which was just a fantastic time. But And I would love to see them run it back on a, you know, on a much larger scale. But I still don't think that's a main event over two guys that are, you know, really established in Jay White and, and Okada. Yeah, I think one of the things that kind of hurts the build here, maybe makes people think that the build's not being great, is just the fact that this match essentially was kind of finalized earlier than it typically would be because we didn't really have any briefcase defenses. Okada was like, I'm, I'm not defending this briefcase. Like, I won the G1, so I, I should just be in the main event. I don't need to put my briefcase on the line. And then Jay White only had the, the one defense against Tamatonga. I think in previous years, normally the champion would have Three defenses. He would defend at Destruction in September. He would defend at King of Pro Wrestling in October. And he would probably defend at Power Struggle in November. So Jay's lack of tile defenses and then Okada's lack of not defending the briefcase made them establish this match pretty much right after G1. So from August, we it was official that it's Okada versus Jay White. And so now you have till August all the way until January to build this match. And like Josh mentioned, they're doing the normal multi-man tags, tag matches, and to kind of build us up, whereas maybe if there was more defenses, had Jay faced off against one or two more other people, then you solidify, all right, now it's Jay and Okada. You know now in November it's Jay and Okada. Then if they want to do their normal, you know, six-man tag, eight-man tag, normal tag match, it wouldn't feel as stale, but they've been doing this since after G1 in the U.S., in Japan, um, and so it just makes it feel like it's been a super long, kind of slow, stale bill. Um, and, to, and to your point, Chris, about Jay potentially winning, um, they have been, you know, harping on commentary that Jay is 
four and one against Okada. He has the higher ground. He's beaten Okada in the dome already. So actually, you know, Okada kind of has to really overcome Jay here. Jay has been the one guy that's kind of seen to have, you know, the formula to, to beat Okada. Um, and so they could continue that story. And maybe that's just, you know, Jay White's is that kind of chink in the arm of Okada. Like Okada will never truly be able to figure out Jay White. And maybe Jay does beat him again in the Tokyo Dome. And that's kind of Jay's big thing. And then, like you mentioned, you, you go from there, you have the surprise challenger kind of come out and you, you move on from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. But at the same time, I feel like there's a whole conundrum of the repetitive nature of those briefcase defenses and maybe that calls into question the whole timeline of like having uh you know the g1 winner at the end of august get their supposed shot all the way in january and like that whole entire time in between it what do you do and i i think we've discussed that on on this show plenty of times but um if you weren't going to do those things, right? Because obviously this year they decided they were not going to do that. Then you needed to find a way to hype up and build this match. And I think that to a certain extent, they're just anticipating that the star power in Japan of these two individuals are so vast that it's going to draw just based off the name marquee alone. And maybe there is something to that because they are doing well at the box office. And maybe this is just a Western thing. I don't know. But for me, the main reason I'm not into it is because it's Okada and Jay White. Because those are like two names that have just kind of been there for a long time at the top. They're they're great. It's sort of hard to uh, quantify exactly what it is, but it just doesn't. It's not a sexy match to me personally. It's it, It's going to be a good match because of who they are. But there's not a lot of intrigue or things for me to sink my teeth into. It's a match we've seen plenty of times. We've seen them on large stages and it's kind of played out and they haven't added a new wrinkle to the actual issue at hand. You know, it's just the champion defending against the G1 winner at this point, honestly, unless it was too, unless it was a dream match, the way they built it, it wouldn't matter who the two guys were because there's not really been much to it, but, because it's so status quo with it being Jay White and and Okada and and also seeming like Okada's just going to win regardless no matter what anyways that even adds more to the mundaneness of it all um like I said I think at this point they need to do something out of the box they need to have some sort of interaction that either is outside of the regular realms of just preview tag matches in, in late December. They need to do something at historic crossover or outside of new Japan to get some intrigue going so that this feels like a bigger deal than what it is right now, which is just a regular, I mean, dude, we saw this in May in, 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 in uh, Fukuoka dome. It's the same match. Nothing's changed since then really at all. Yeah, I guess the, the the wrinkles here are, is the fact that you know if Jay wins, he'd only be the fourth foreigner to to win in a Tokyo Dome uh, main event. You know, Okada losing to him again in a main event. You know, having the the higher ground on Okada. So I think there's some little. That's all secondary stuff. That's like under the current kind of legacy type of things. It's not the sort of stuff that you build and draw off of. You know what I mean? Most of these matches usually draw off of 
either star appeal and acclaim or personal grudges. And not to say they're not stars because they clearly are, but like I said, we've seen this match many times. This kind of needs a grudge. It needs a personal conflict involved here. And we haven't seen that. We haven't seen the back and forth heated exchanges or, or the hate field, anything like it's just a, it's just a title defense between two of the top guys. It's going to be good though. And it will be good. Yeah. But does new Japan have bad title matches? That's the, that's the part, you know, when evil is champion, that's the, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I don't know. That Hiromu match was great. It, that was, that was also an anomaly. This is, <laughs> this is like the least enticing and intriguing, uh, title match at the Tokyo dome in, Many, many, many years. Here's a kind of a question. Well, it's a question um, that came up elsewhere. What should this be, Osprey, instead of Jay White? Mm. They're telling the same story with Osprey and with Jay White. Like the same story. Can they? Can these guys beat Okada in the main event at the Tokyo Dome? Like, that's that final boss level for both guys. And they're just kind of alternating which year, you know, every other year, Okada's got one or the other. So, right now, Osprey feels hotter and feels like Definitely. a bigger star than Jay White. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if that's a U.S. thing or if that's just a... I don't know. I, I you know, I, I'd be curious to see how... The domestic audience feels about that. Yeah. Well, if right. Os- if Osprey, I mean, it's, it's the quantity and quality. Like, this guy sure. is going out here. Uh, like I said on commentary, he had 32 singles matches this year. He's going out here, not only in Japan, but across the world, having these great match of the year candidates with everybody he steps in the ring with. And I think in Japan, you know, United Empire has grown this year, bringing in Aussie Open. You got Gideon Gray, uh, Francisco Akira, and TJP. Like, They've really done a great job of building up United Empire, building up Will Ospreay. He's been having some big moments um, the last couple of years now. And I think, yeah, right now, I think he, he's peaking. He's, he's very hot, popular uh, in the U.S., in Japan. You know, the, the AEW Dynamite appearances, I think, helped as well. The Big Forbidden Door match of Orange Cassidy. Like, I feel like there's so much upward momentum going with him right now. The two matches with Naito this year, like, there's so much that's to talk about with Osprey. When you look at Jay, like, don't get me wrong, Jay is a great wrestler, but Jay does not always go out there and have those match of the year candidates with everybody. There are certain people that he pairs up better with, and other people he'll just go out there and it'll, it'll be a good match. But it's you're not, it's not you know making lists. It's not you know ranking up in cage match or grapple. Sometimes and, it does. It might. Yeah, sometimes. It, I mean. But if I if good. I look at Jay White's Tokyo Domain event with Ibushi, and I know that that match is um, polarizing because of the length, that match is that incredible. match is incredible. Yeah. So if we do that with Okada, but Jay wins, that's a different story to me. If Jay yeah. wins this match, it's a different story to me. And and their Madison Square Garden match is like oh, incredible yeah. as well. Oh yeah. So. Um, you know, my whole thinking is this. Uh, right now, the way that the booking seems to be going, Okada is Mizawa. And all these guys are just kind of playing in his world. And 
they could be hot. They could have strings of incredible, you know, matches, whatever. But when it comes down to the dome for the title in the main event, being Gaijin, they're not beating. It doesn't matter if it's Jay White or Will Ospreay. And I feel like it's that eternal chase. Like, they're kind of like Kawada. They're not going to beat them. And I think we're all getting our hopes up thinking, like, which of these two guys are they going to go with? Well, they're always going to be second place to Okada. Well, the tell is that they're making Okada into the underdog. They're trying to, yeah. but he's right. not really the underdog. He's really no. He's it's the main event. He's, called he's, 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 he's Okada. Like, of course, he's not the underdog. But they're trying, and I don't I mean, think you know. I think that that's the story on both you know with both languages that call that call the, the matches. So it's oh, funny that know. that's the case, babe. You know how many times since May I've forgotten that he's not the champion and that Jay White actually is the champion. It's been a lot of times where I'm like, wait a second, wait, wait. Well, I think this all a lot of this stems from the short G one. Yeah. Right? Like these guys didn't have that like that same G one arc as either champion or challenger to to draw from and to build their kind of this year's character. Um you know, I, I kinda I wonder if this looks different if some of the bullet club stuff had already played out and Jay White wasn't the leader anymore or wasn't even in Bullet Club anymore, like would this look different then? Maybe. Yes. Yeah. No, like it, that, 100%, if Jay that, White was more interesting, this would be way better. Jay White's not interesting right now. He's boring, bro. He, he, and it's not because he's not a great wrestler. It's because he's been in the same spot for so many years. And he's a great promo and he's a great wrestler and he's a great talent. But his character is just boring. And you know what? Okada's is too. And that's the issue. They are both boring characters who are not engaged in a in a compelling rivalry the whole thing is boring shouldn't should we have had the incredible tag match between okada and jay white with some other randos we did that's to heat it up that's what the that's what this preview match was okada and and jay on the same team do it that only works if you have a four-way Nah. No, you can do you do the true. the Monday Night Raw. It's co- a lot easier. Yeah. Like if they had to coexist. <laughs> yeah. Put um, Gato and Jato on the other side. <laughs> I think too. Yeah, the whole bull club. Lord Gideon Gray and, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole bull club storyline with, with God. I think that was interesting, and I thought there was a lot of heat and fire with that rivalry. But then Jay just beats Tama, and now we're moving on, and like that that whole thing is like pretty much done now for the most part and so that was the most interesting thing jay was doing this year and now it's over and now it's back to just you know i'm king switch baby and i'm the champion and it's bro, just that that wasn't even shit he was doing that was shit that was being done to him by an an actual interesting character in tamatanga yeah they should have just done the like bull clubs like split like we've been wanting for all these years then then we wouldn't be having this discussion at all. Those Bullet Club merch checks keep everyone <laughs> keep everyone from from doing it. That's why Chaos hasn't split. You know, <laughs> you see a lot of Chaos merch around. Kind of in the yeah, those in towels, the, in the crowds, those, those yeah. Chaos towels. A lot of towels from the Chaos group. Jamar Briscoe are still getting Chaos checks. I'm telling you, <laughs> someone's got to pay him. Oh man. <laughs> 
Uh, well, speaking of you know tag teams, let's talk about the next matchup here is semi main event. <laughs> nice <laughs> for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Titles. We have the champions FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood defeating the United Empire team of Great Ocon and Jeff Cobb in 17 minutes and 31 seconds. If you follow us on Twitter at Ki Strong Style, I'm sure you saw. The uh, the quote tweet that uh, Josh did to uh, to bury FTR. Uh, I didn't bury hair. them. That's not true. I did not bury them. <laughs> they honestly they opened themselves up to this by if you didn't see the tweet they said that they were carrying the division on their back. Okay, and to me that's a very condescending to the eight or nine heavyweight tag teams that are in Japan that are currently touring and working all the time that actually are a division there's nothing wrong with ftr being outsider champions because that's what they are and i'm not even like saying that new japan or them are wrong for putting the belts on them they could be champions that's fine it makes business sense to me i think they're great a great tag team and i like their gimmick and i i've followed them for a long time but when you take that step over and then you say we're strapping the division to our backs and we're going to bring it back to the heights of the 90s when the reality is new japan's tag team divisions were not great in the 90s it's just you like the 90s because you've watched five or ten great tag team matches over the course of a decade when you were tape trading or on like daily motion and equating that to being a great tag team division that's not a great tag team division this division while never perfect in the last five years smokes any other era of new Japan's tag teams ever period. Like it just does. And when you say shit like that, you're, you're showing that like, you're actually kind of ignorant about the history of new Japan and you can name all your Jurassic powers and your big, bad and dangerous and your Steiner brothers and blah, 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 blah. That sure. They had some great matches. That's fine. The high peaks don't make up for the lulls which was a whole, you know, there was like years and years and years of lulls in this fucking division. And lately we've actually had great tag teams, Bishamon, Dangerous Techers, you know, going back for, from the past five years, the Golden Lovers, the Young Bucks, like War this tag team, War Machine, you know, KES. Yeah, like what the fuck are we talking about here? Like it, it wasn't better in the 90s. It was better just a couple of years ago. And it's been great for the most part, honestly. Even even the, the matches between the Techers and like Golden Ace and um Bishamon and all that, like were fantastic. So like Techers I don't know. and Sonata and, and Naito. And my, my biggest issue with it is this. To say you're putting the division on your back, but you're not working World Tag League and you've worked no tours for the company, like that's not the story. And for people that think that that's the story, you're being sold a bill of false goods the reality is this is that's not what this story is this story is like when marifuji came into the company and won the iwgp junior title as an outsider and then held it up for six months this is like when chris jericho won the ic title and didn't defend or show up in the company for months on end that's what this is this is not some outside group that's exemplary who's elevating the company sure you had two really great matches there's no doubt about it but that's all you've had you had two matches. You're not even in the division. You don't even go here. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? 
that was disrespectful to all of the New Japan tag teams. Like, and you know what? Like, I would love for them to work tag league. How awesome would it be for us to see them work Naito and Sonata and to see them work, you know, Aussie Open again and to see them work Bishamon and, and Dangerous Techers and whoever, but that's never going to fucking happen. They're going to show up for some big shows and that's it. That's it. Also, this match was good. Very, very, very good. <laughs> this match was great. I will tell you this, though. Remember when I said that they were like the lineal champions, but not the actual champions, that these guys were the actual champions? Mm-hmm. Well, a couple weeks ago on AEW, they lost to Swerve in Our Glory. So they are not the, the lineal IWGP champions anymore. That's Swerve in Our Glory. <laughs> they came in with some false trinkets. And, uh, you know, they, they got to go back to AEW and beat Swerve in Our Glory if they want to be the real A. You know, IWGP champions at this point. <laughs> Chris, your, your thoughts? You guys should see Chris's face right now. <laughs> your thoughts on the match, FTR in general? The match was good. It was uh, good. The match was just really good. It was a great, I mean, about as good a semi main event as you can have on a pretty big show, and about as good as a tag team championship match as you can have on a on a big show. Um, this match, I mean, it's probably going to sound crazy, but like t- for me and kind of my enjoyment of new Japan, like this match meant more than the Aussie open match to me mm. because I, I, Aussie open is, is planting their seeds to be a big part of the new Japan world going forward, but they're not yet right They're They still feel like outsiders too. Right. Right. Even though they've worked strong a lot, they've done, you know, they've done more and and they're a part of a unit, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But this match between finally getting the one on one or whatever, two on two match with Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb, like this was really meaningful as I look at, you know, like the future of the tag team division. Right. And 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 it was a little finalizing for great O'Conn and jeff cobb too because i just i don't think they're going to be the tag team of choice in the united empire going forward but they kind of needed to be written written down or written off um because they had been really dominant as a tag you know as a tag team for a long time and now we're going to have aussie open step into that space so you know with that said the match was really good i'm glad they finally showed up in japan I'm glad that I'm honestly glad that they won because I do think we'll end up getting something really cool at, at wrestle kingdom with these guys. I, I hope, I hope these guys show up to wrestle kingdom. I kind of hope it's Aussie open. It's okay if it's not, because if it's not, it might be like Nitro Sonata. Um, and that could be cool too. So, but you know, ultimately, you know, I can't co-sign everything you said, uh, just, you know, a couple moments ago, Josh, but I, 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 I will say that, you know, the FTR tag title run, it's kind of at the same level as Jay White's IWGP World Heavyweight Championship run, where there's just, there's not a lot to work with here. And what, what you do have to work with is pretty good, Yeah, but there's just, there's not that much to go off of. They won these championships in June. Well, I think the I... same way Jay White won the World Championship in June. And well, they're, they're both kind of on ice. This is not a new criticism for me. This isn't just like a clear anti-AEW bias. I said the same thing in 2018 when the Young Bucks were the uh, tag champions and they didn't work World Tag League. And I thought it made no sense and it was bullshit. And it invalidated the tournament when they showed up at the end of the tournament 
and just declared what they were going to do because they were the champions. Like it, it really kind of sucked. So it's not like uh, this is a whole new thing. Now, a couple positive things. And I'll kick it over to you, Jeremy. I did enjoy seeing them show up in Japan. I'm happy that they're here. I thought the match was great. I loved that they took out Cobb's knee and sort of gave him a storyline kayfabe reason to no longer be associated with that tag act. And it's almost like they built up this tag team for all these years as a dominant force and FTR fucked them up, which is like kind of cool. I loved the introduction video. Like they couldn't have done a better job of hyping up FTR. They were like SmackDown. Raw, NXT, Triple <laughs> like, A. Like, they made them be like, oh, shit. Like, they are, like, for real, for real. Like, these guys have been champions everywhere. And, it, and I thought that um, they looked like they belonged in, you know, New Japan. They looked like so many of your classic top-end Gaijin tag team units that have come, up, come in from the past. And they told an incredible story. And... Yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really great match. And I am looking forward to whoever wins World Tag League to face these guys moving forward. So, you know, um, no criticisms about the match. The match was great. Yeah, I think that the weird thing about the whole FTR thing, I think part of the issue, too, is these guys are supposed to be, you know, the, the Bay Faces. You know, they've had a great year, and they're supposed to be the, the Bay Face tag team. But then they're they're coming into Japan for the first time, and you know they're they're saying all these things, and you know if, if they were heels and they were like delusional heels, like oh you know we're carrying this division, knowing full well they have barely been there. I yep. think I think that works better because you get this heat, like all right, these guys they're aware, they know they haven't been a part of the division, but they're heels, or they're, they're getting heat for not being there. But they're supposed to be the baby faces and supposed to be, you know, defending tag team wrestling and supposed to be a big part of of New Japan. This is only their, their second show and they're talking about carrying the division. So that I think that dynamic is kind of weird. And I think we don't really truly know how the crowd reacts to them. Because also this was a clap crowd show. I think for this match, I think the crowd got into it clap wise for it. But we don't truly know, like, is the crowd like, going to cheer or boo these guys what does the domestic audience really think about these guys or do i mean like we said okan and Cobb, these guys have been wrecking shop for two years now i feel like if this was a cheering crowd we probably would have got a ton of like chants and cheers for jeff Cobb and great okan just because they are the domestic tag team they've been killing it the last two years great okan all the stuff that he does in and out of the ring has been getting super over um, so I think that dynamic would have been interesting to see. Overall, thought the match uh, was a notebook match. It went uh, four stars on it. Um, I'm not sure if the, the Jeff Cobb knee thing was a work or not because there was a, a spot where they did the, the, the Steiner line bulldog off the top and Cobb landed really weird on his knee. Um, and then they kind of worked it afterward and kind of threw him into the, the guardrail. He was kind of out afterwards. And I saw like Red Shoes even kind of like talking to him like, are, are you okay? Which we did, we did have a question here too from Viking Painting. Any updates on Jeff Cobb? That rolling spot looked nasty. And I noticed one of the FTR members checking up on him after the match too. So there, there might be a legit injury with Cobb. He's not in World Tag League. Um, but overall, I thought the match was great. One weird thing though, I felt like the match like was really, really picking up right towards and the end. And then it just ended. Yeah, like Ocon was on fire and then they cut him off and then they hit the, the big rig and then it was over. 
Like, yeah. had, had they kept going, they, they, they could have gone to the next level. And maybe it was cut short because Cobb was hurt and they couldn't do the rest of the match. Um, but I felt I, like- I didn't think he was actually hurt, to be honest. I felt like this was all pre-planned and it worked. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. And they had an audible. Um, but it feels like it's that's kind of how FTR matches end, though. Yeah. Yeah. The Aussie Open match kind of ended abruptly, too. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They had him do the one, two, three, then get caught, which like people complain because they're like, why is this guy running the ropes three times before he takes the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, uh, let's uh, move on to the main event of the evening. We had the IWGP United States heavyweight title on the line. The champion, the Commonwealth Kingpin, Will Ospreay, defeated Tetsuya Naito at 30 minutes and 7 seconds. It's rocked. It was uh, very good. I, I, you know, I'll say this, and I, maybe I'm going to be the contrarian one here on this one. Um, I did not like this nearly as much as I liked their G1 match. Um, I felt like the peaks of it, like the reversals and the high spots down the tail end of the match were maybe better. But there was so much dragging and stalling and Naito fluff in the early parts of the match. It didn't have, like, the first match for me had that dynamic crispness where it was like, oh, shit, like, business is picked up and everything they're doing feels like it has importance and meaning. And in this one, it didn't feel like that. It felt like it uh, it was kind of a Naito story where, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, stalling and dragging. And then... It went into a prolonged heat spot where he was working over Osprey's neck, which definitely told a great story. People were really into it, but it just was a little bit too long for my taste and liking. And then once it finally did pick up at the end, it got really fantastic, but it just felt like a elongated version of the first match they had. And I see that people are rating this one much, much, much higher. So I don't know if it's because that natural proclivity where a longer match seems more epic. So people like it better. But for me, this was just overly long. I like the first match a lot better. That being said, this match was still fantastic. It was still a really top end, you know, main event for new Japan. And some of the stuff that they did down the tail end was really crazy, even for Naito standards. And, um, you know, it was very, uh, you know, in question, who would be the the person going over, which is something that you want in a high profile match like this. And ultimately they did decide to go with Osprey and and he picked up the win here, which is great. And it's pretty intriguing because it's like, we don't know where Naito goes from here, but we do know where Osprey goes from here. And it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool. I agree about which which Osprey Naito match I I enjoyed more and which I enjoyed the G1 match but I kind of attribute that to like I think the stakes of the G1 match were higher cuz it's semifinal right and mm-hmm. I think even just going to the G1 final is potentially to me a bigger deal than becoming the United States heavyweight champion and How dare you <laughs> well, part of the, part of that's where where I put the G one like in my brain. It's like it it actually is as important as having an IWGP World Heavyweight Championship reign. So, with that said, 
I think the beginning and end of this match were awesome. The beginning ended with this yeah. kind of frantic pace. They did all sorts of wacky reversals, you know, yep. and kind of the same thing at the end. And then we got, but at the end, we got Naito taking a back bump for an os cutter two twice. Like it, it looked and reversing a, what did he reverse into? Like almost a destino. Like he, they did some cool stuff, like really creative stuff. And I really enjoyed a lot of what they did. But again, like I think that the G1 match had higher stakes. So, and it was the first time, right? The first, you, you never forget your first time, right? Like <laughs> this was, this was right in that lane. Right. So, and, and they did a lot of stuff that we didn't see, which is really something that I think both of these guys are really good at is having the second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever match in a series be totally different from the first or second. Right. So um, they, they nailed that. It did go a little long. I mean, it went main event long though. I mean, 30 ish is kind of the new, you know, the new, <laughs> the new 40 ish, <laughs> what was in 2020. Right. So 30 is kind of how long you're going to see these main events go. They worked. I mean, it was good to see that Naito can really still hang with someone young and fast. Um, cause we know he can still go with guys like Okada, but this, this was kind of promising for for naito um you know ultimately i think the match was great i did prefer the other match the the g1 match more i can understand why people would would put this one on a pedestal also like the environment was really good and that's really helpful when you you know i mean we all know that that's that's a super important part of perceiving the quality of wrestling so um you know i can't can't knock you if you like this match more or if you put this match on your match of the year list i mean ultimately will osprey is just on a tear and naito can still go um and that you know that that's my biggest takeaway and you know i, I like our you know what semi-annual story of what is naito gonna do for <laughs> for wrestle kingdom we do it every other year or so yeah yeah, but this year it really feels like what the fuck's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only one night, right? So you, yeah, you can only you can only use so many wedges on one night. So I mean, maybe maybe they're winning World Tag League. Maybe Aussie Open, you know, maybe maybe that's the final and and Sonata and and Naito win. I think that's the match to watch in the blocks. Mm. Yeah, I thought this main event was incredible. I do like the first match better but i gave both these matches the same rating uh four and three quarters and i don't know i i enjoyed the network that naito was doing on on will osprey you know osprey that was the reason why he had to vacate the title last year was due to that neck injury and i thought naito did a great job the neck breaker on the floor the esperanza like he was hitting a lot of big moves targeting osprey's neck i thought was great and just like you mentioned, a lot of this, the back and forth sequences, like they had a lot of like crazy stuff uh, throughout the match. And dude, I marked out so hard for the um, Stormbreaker reversal into the Destino. That was crazy. I, I thought yeah. that was incredible. That's what that's what it was. Yeah. Um, there was that that Liger bomb spot. Like, of course, like the Poison Rana Osprey lands on his feet. Like, there was just so many incredible like mark out moments in this match and i think like you said chris like the environment helped like, this was a big show the rest of the card was great like it like the card like it's like a, a traditional new japan like the card built up to this moment 
Yeah. And then I felt like these guys just went out and delivered. Like, I wish, like, the crowd was a lot, a lot of cheer for this show because I felt that would have helped even more. Uh, but, yeah, they went out here, and I thought they, they killed it. Had an excellent matchup, a lot of great reversals. Yeah, there was a kind of mistiming for Naito on those two Oz cutters. He, uh, I don't know what happened, to end up taking a back bump instead of a front um, bump on those. Uh, Twice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, overall, I feel a lot of the reversals, a lot of the moves, a lot of the story they told, uh, I thought it was great. And like you guys mentioned, it was one of those matches where, like we talked about last week, anybody could win and it could make sense because you don't, neither guy needs a title to have a big singles match at Wrestle Kingdom. So it was interesting to see, all right, like what, who's going to get the win? Are they going to establish Osprey more on this U.S. title? Or are they going to move to Naito to set Naito's uh, Wrestle Kingdom program up? And so end up going with Osprey. Uh, he gets the the big win there. He hits the uh, the hitting blade towards the end, uh, and then he gets him up for the uh, the Stormbreaker and pins Naito to retain. Uh, Post match, he he's cutting his closing promo. You know, opens door for anybody to come challenge him in the back. Forbidden door. Nobody's come out to challenge him. So confetti goes off. Big celebration of him and Aussie Open and, and Gideon Gray. Uh, then the lights go out, and we get the the big video on the screen that says "Rough Neck is coming, November 5th. And then we see a guy on a, a bike driving by, and then the lights come on, and it's Shooter Shota Umino making his official return from Excursion. Comes out, he's going to cut a promo on Osprey. Instead, he decks Osprey, decks uh, Aussie Open, Gideon Gray. Clears the ring. The rest of the Empire comes out. He runs to the crowd. Does his little, you know, shooter death rider pose thing. And uh, it's, it's official. The, the roughneck Shota Shooter Umino is back in New Japan. And he will be challenging Will Ospreay for the U.S. title at Historic Crossover. Yeah, bro. He's a fucking roughneck, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my, my only issue with this segment i guess we'll call it was that why did how do you not have shota amino come in through the crowd Mm. like you put him on Mm. yeah you you put him on the stage whatever i get it but like come on like that's so obvious i'm disappointed that's the only disappointment i had in this i I actually hadn't thought of that at all but now that you say it like i can picture it in my head and i'm like yeah you, you might have a point there like just have like walking down, you know, one of the steps the same way Moxley would, and you cut, you know, you cut the spotlight over to him. You can still do the video package or whatever, but he shouldn't come out on the stage because that's the gimmick. Moxley comes out through the crowd. Amino came out through the crowd with Moxley through that whole G one. Um, yeah, that was my. That's my only note on this. I think he looks great. He looked great in the match against Osprey. Um, I'm curious if the red shoes thing comes into play. I doubt it right at first, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's good to see him back in the fold, ready to go young guy. Um, he looks good though. He's still carrying around that jacket though. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, like you're wearing a jacket and you're carrying around a jacket. Like what, what's, what's, we, but it's don't... probably just to tie in Moxley. Right. Probably. Yeah. Couldn't he have like gotten a white a white one printed that said Death Riders on the back of it or whatever? Right. Yeah. You know? Or you could pull well, a, pull a triple H and wear like the jacket over the jacket. 
vest <laughs> over jacket. <laughs> cut the cut the arms off. Right. You wear the the black vest with over the, the white on jacket. The back, over the white jacket. Yes. Yeah. We got a lot of questions about this match. Yeah. So uh, Rambo and Slam Pig says, "I feel like it gets asked a lot, but I'm going to do it again." What's next for Naito after that fantastic main event? What is a reasonable expectation for his role at Wrestle Kingdom? I'll just say I have no idea. Um, I'm assuming that they've got some sort of trick up their sleeve that we haven't thought about. Yeah, I have no, I have no idea. Unless it has something to do with World Tag League. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think a lot of people it. are calling that, but that just seems like kind of beneath him. Right. Also, the Aussie Open, Aussie Open FTR on a bigger stage as a mm. callback. Mm. I mean that feels right to me yeah i don't know i feel like we're gonna get some kind of big i don't know if dream match is the right word but some other opponent either from aw or maybe from an outside company that's the challenge for naito and maybe that person costs naito the world tag league like he showed like somebody shows up and attacks him kind of like how jericho used to do and and then that pulls naito out of world tag league and he's like all right now i, I found my guy i need to focus on um, so maybe that's the situation. Or like you mentioned, Chris, there's a possibility where you could do the the whole three-way thing where you have Naito Tanada and Aussie Open tie at 10 points and then both got they do a three-way at the Dome versus FTR. But they do have, there's a final for World Tag League. Right, but we've seen in the past where guys no, win, I, yeah. win, win World Tag League and then because people tied with points or they beat that team Early in the right. tournament, because it's single block, like they can be like, "Oh, right. we, we beat you guys earlier in the tournament, and we tied, so we should be in the dome too." And we know that they easily can do a three, four way tag team title match at the dome. They um, would it's, never. It, it, it's easy with the single block tournament to right, right. But right. I, I don't think they would do that with Naito and Tanada, though. I, I think that we're going to get either somebody from AEW or somewhere else that's going. Naito Nakamura, let's fucking do it. Yeah, I mean Nakamura, he'll he'll be in the country, um, so why not? Um, but I feel he's going to be the so the tag league show to watch is going to be December second. That's when Naito and Sonata face off against Aussie Open. Mm. So keep an eye on keep an eye on that match. Uh, Def Triangle Seven Twenty asks, "What do you think about the execution of Shota Umino's return?" You might want to change that name. I think they're about to be a death duo <laughs> <laughs> i already I, I already went on that i guess yeah i mean i, I thought it was good and um you know it, we've only seen him show up i thought it was a great way to reintroduce him and great first test uh, obviously you couldn't ask for a better dance partner and a, a, a bigger stage for him to kind of make his re-debut so it's good yeah i thought it, it was great because i mean they kind of did the old nxt trick where you think, you know, they shoot the streamers off. So, oh, the show's definitely over. And then they do the, the logo. Right. And then they cut and then they, they do the promo. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed the video and the segment. Yeah, the, the Roughneck nickname is a little weird. I don't know why they just couldn't just use Shooter as the nickname since he's sticking with Shota Umino and still has a Shooter jacket. But whatever. It, it's fine. Maybe in Japan it kind of me you know, translates differently. Who knows? But. Either way, I thought it was a great way to kind of introduce him. And, yeah, first feud with Osprey, that's that's a big deal. Osprey was hella critical of the roughneck. He was. Um, <laughs> yeah, in the in the post-match. <laughs> um, 
Uh, next question here from uh, a noob thirteen. What do you think will be the path for Nine Tails Wrestle Kingdom? It almost feels like LJ heavyweights are all lost in the shuffle this year. This is a little off topic. Maybe they are a little lost in the shuffle, but like I'm ready not for some of these groups to be disbanded necessarily, but I'm ready for some of these guys to just go off on their own. I'm ready for Shingo to have his own group. I'm ready for Zack Saber Jr. to have his own group. I'm ready for ELP to leave and have his own group. I would love for those three guys in particular to just not be in the groups that they're in anymore. I know, yeah, it might make some people sad who are fans of the group, but wouldn't it be better for those guys to be top stars and have their own factions and create more opportunities for all these, you know, talents that we're supposedly be bringing in and all that. Yeah. I mean, that would be good, especially a guy like Shingo who was the world champion last year with the company on his back. And, you know, he's probably going to end up in the, in the Rambo or in the never six man gauntlet or something like that. FTR got confused. Hang on. Shingo is a champion. In this he company, won't be, he won't right, be. That's right. The calendar will change. Right. And he they won't have, be. January. They have to Dang. determine a new KOPW. Dang. Uh, can you edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. FTR got confused. They thought they were Shingo. They're like, we're putting this company on our back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That man deserves a gold watch. That's for sure. He's he's got a gold. Yeah. Trophy necklace thing. <laughs> Base of base of a trophy medallion. Yeah, he, he's literally wearing the KOPW like he's Flavor Flav right now. Like <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, Viking Pain says Naito clearly still has it and is still one of New Japan's biggest stars. So when is this man going to be given a run with the world title? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny question. Never, bro. He's old. His knees are broken down. His, his, his run was supposed to be 2020, and then 2020. COVID happened. He got it. He got the run. It happened. He didn't, though. He, did. <laughs> he didn't at it's all. It's over. Finito. <laughs> Finished. This boy's cooked. The Kenta match was great. Um, He's not cooked. He will win. <laughs> he will. He's not. Look at this match. Yeah, bro. With Will Ospreay. So put him in there with the youngins. He can go. Um, I think he'll get a he'll get a run with this particular title at some point. I think. I think the guy who doesn't is Tanahashi. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I'd rather see Tanahashi have the belt. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, wouldn't. I, I think at some point there's, there's especially with this whole Osprey Naito rivalry that they've kind of created and Osprey beating him twice now. I think a world title rivalry with Osprey Naito could be interesting. We'll, we'll see what they do there. Uh, his other question, maybe anything with Naito would be for the title would be more interesting than this title this rivalry that we got for Wrestle Kingdom between Okada and Jay White right now. So. Mm. Well, you say, Chris, earlier, you, you broke up a little bit. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. He just started pointing to his head. So <laughs> no, I was he, pointing to my because I was like, because the Naito Osprey match is incredible. And yeah. These yeah. guys are parallel to Jay White and Okada, right? It just in the sense of um, you've got a foreigner and a domestic star, both, you know, uh, all of them main event level type guys. And these are two parallel feuds. And I think the the 
Osprey Naito feud just had has so much more juice in it if mm-hmm. they want to keep going back to it. Yeah. He also asked, even though both guys are going to be big time players in the future, does it take some luster off Shota and Ren? They came back to New Japan looking like the long lost sons of Tanahashi and Shibata. I know pe- people that are already calling them ripoffs and bootleg versions of those two legends. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys came back looking very different from how they wound up later on in their career. They can't all be Hiromu Takahashi's who are literally knocking it out of the park 100% right out the gate. You know, that's a guy who got it, but. Very few people returning from excursion are the complete full finished package. I mean, go watch some early Tanahashi. He didn't look like Tanahashi. And I'm sure, you know, Shota Amino and Renderita are going to, you know, have their own evolutions as time goes on. Just go watch the Rainmaker Shock. And while yeah. that was, while that was great, that's a whole different Okada. Yeah. Right. But I still think their looks right now aren't complete ripoffs. I mean, uh, Chibata's not the first guy who wore black tights and was a, a serious, no nonsense wrestler. Uh, I don't know. That's pretty. <laughs> he's got the same script on his kick pads. Like it's well, yes, and and Chibata was his, full, was his mentor, a, right? Uh, and I get it, but I feel like they've they've um, you know differentiated to you know made it different enough that he's not like just like he's Chibata Junior. Like no, his style in the ring is, I guess, similar, but I don't think he's cosplaying shibata by any means so i do think i do think they all have their own identities especially like shota umino while his mentor i guess is john moxley his look is not john moxley Mm -hmm. so i you know there's some hybrid stuff happening here so you know i but i i kind of like that they are they're not hiding what they're doing, right? They're they're these guys are the next generation that's going to come in, and right. whether or not they end up like connecting like that uh, as a unit or something like that, I don't know. But they they're definitely showing that there's a turning of the page happening, and this is the group that's going to carry the company, you know, for the next the next twenty years, you know, with with a little bit of this overlap that's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, MJSPR says, Yumura, Suji, Shooter, Naruto, rank these lions by highest ceiling to lowest. I got to tell you, I appreciate the question, but I am going to shy away from any ranking of young lions anymore. You know why? Because I'm not very good at it very clearly. Like <laughs> so many times I thought these guys were going to shoot to the top. Carl's gone, you know. It's, I've been wrong. I've been wrong a lot. So. Um, where uh, y- y- yeah ceiling i think you has got the highest ceiling yeah. yeah whether that comes to fruition you know who y- it's gonna be tough to say uh the other three you know it's hard to it's hard to differentiate them especially because suji's not back yet shoda and narita are showing they're showing up so uh, i they've all got pretty high ceilings and then you throw in i guess another guy of a similar generation of great okan right and his ceiling's pretty high and then a monster like hikaleo so the the youth is there now we're starting to see it and it's gonna rule 
Yeah, and I feel these four guys essentially are 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 all going to be kind of fighting for that next kind of ace spot, and kind of like you said, Chris carry this generation. So yeah, it, it is hard, but all of them, I do think, Yumora, I think it's he. I think he has the highest potential out of all these guys. Uh, next question here from at sexy submarine on Twitter it says Narita, Aussie Open, Hikaleo, and now Shota. It's starting to feel like a youth revolution is happening in New Japan. Do you think this push for the young guys will be maintained? And if so, do you see any of them winning the world title next year? Yeah, I, I agree and echo those those same sentiments. And I feel like this would have happened sooner if not for the pandemic and everything like that. So we've just kind of been in a stopgap, and now now we're here. As far as uh, any of them winning the title, you can't put that outside of the realm of possibility, but I'll say no, just because I can't envision it. But, you know, people didn't think that uh, Okada was going to come back and win the world title, so you just never know. Yeah, I... I can't bet on them one of them winning the world title, but I think they're all going to be in title pictures. Um, and they already are. And I think that that's, that's pretty neat, right? You got Hikaleo, Shota, and um, Narita all vying for a title in or around Wrestle Kingdom season when people are really paying attention. So these guys are getting, they're getting the spotlight and we're going to see if they can run with it in one way or another. And, you know, I, I'll be curious to see, you know, if anything happens on the tail end of Wrestle Kingdom or New Year's Dash where these guys start to align with some of the other guys, too. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Chris, like with them all being in tile pictures, that's that's a pretty big deal. When you look at some of the other lines recently that have come back, like Great Ocon, like he, you know, had a great debut and kind of helping Osprey, but they didn't really give him a tile opportunity right away. And Master Watto, kind of same thing. And now you have Aussie Open, who are going to be clearly the new face of the tag division. You have Narita, who's in the TV title uh, division. You have Hikaleo, who's going after the Never Openweight Championship. Um, Shota is going after the U.S. title. So they're clearly, you know, elevating these guys and pushing them and getting them into title pictures. Um, Grunty Dodd says, I'm seeing a lot of people saying Battle Autumn was their favorite show of the year. Do you agree? Also, if there was a Carl Anderson match as scheduled, do you think that would have helped or hurt the show overall? Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, it, it didn't happen. So it's whatever, you know, I don't think it was ever going to happen there to be honest with you. I think, it, I think that they've always aimed for wrestle kingdom personally, but um, yeah, as far as favorite show of the year, I mean, I know a lot of people probably won't like this answer, but if we're just going by the technical kayfabe, Forbidden Door was technically a New Japan show, and I liked that show better. Yeah, but I mean, if you're, if you're going to count Forbidden Door, I mean, yeah, then I'll say that that that's better. But as I say, strictly New Japan show, I think this is going to be up there. It's going to be up there. Some of the other shows that were really good, Windy City Riot was really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don Taku in May was really fantastic. There was that one night of the Super Juniors where. Um, you know, where they had every single match back to back to back. That was really, really good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously Wrestle Kingdom. So there's, you know, there's quite a few. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Got a couple <laughs> other <laughs> uh, quick, uh, news announcements that were uh, revealed this week. So we have the full card for the NJPW and Stardom Historic Crossover Pay-Per-View that's happening 
on November 20th. Uh, next week, we'll do a full preview and predictions, but just announcing the card right now. So we have Alex Coughlin, Clark Connors, and Gabriel Kidd and Kevin Knight taking on Kosei Vegeta. Oscar, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, Le- Lebu, Lebe, uh, Oiwa, and Nakashima. Then there will be a uh, pre-show Stardom Rambo match. Then we'll have the Chaos team of Leo Rush, Tomoyori Ishii, Yo Yoshihashi taking on all of House of Torture. We'll have uh, <laughs> Queen's Quest, Azumi, Lady C, and Saya Kamatani taking on Don Del Mondo, Someka, Maya Sakurai, and Thekla. We'll have Thekla. Shuri and uh, Filthy Tom Waller taking on Julia, Julia and Zack Sabre Jr. We'll have the Black Desire team of Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid teaming up with Doki and El Esperado to take on uh, Meltair, Natsupoi, and Tam Nakano, and Taichi and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. Then Hiroshi Tanahashi will team with Utami Hayashista against Hiroki Goto and Mika. Then the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, Sonata, Shingo, and Naito will take on the United Empire of Francisco Akira, Gideon Gray, Kyle Fletcher, Mark Davis, and TJP. Then we'll have Okada and Yano teaming up with the Great Muta to take on Aaron Hanare, Great Okan, and Jeff Cobb. Semi-main event will be the IWGP US title match. Will Ospreay defending against the Roughneck, Shota Umino. And then the main event, we will crown the first ever IWGP Women's Champion as the tournament will conclude with Mayu Iwatani taking on Kyrie. So then moving on from there, we had the announcements for the world. I, I just want to say, did you notice that Leo Rush is listed as a member of Chaos? Yeah. New Japan, throwing that out there. New Japan website says he's an official member of Chaos now. <laughs> Dude, there's the lowest like barrier of entry to get into Chaos. You just game. you just sign up. You just you just say, I'm in Chaos. <laughs> like, yeah, you are. Totally. Uh so we have the announcements for the World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League teams. We had a question here from Naive Live eight three zero six. I feel this is a dumb question. With the Junior and Tag Tournaments coming up, are you excited? The forbidden are you expecting the Forbidden Door to be open with it along with AW or Impact? And it's not a dumb question. We are going to see some AW and Impact involvement in both of these tournaments. So let's start with the the World Tag League team. So we'll have the Bebop Tag Team: Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toriano, Bishamon, Roki Goto and Yoshihashi. The LIJ team of Tetsuya Naito and Sonata. The United Empire team of Great Okan and Aaron Hanare. We'll have Aussie Open. The TMDK team of Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes. The Suzuki team of Meryl Suzuki and Lance Archer. The Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens. And the House of Torture team of Evil and Yujiro, Hasha, Yujiro Takahashi. How are you guys feeling about World Tag League? Uh, I think I, it's I, interesting. I mean, World Tag League has a lot of returning um teams yeah so that makes it a little less interesting than say as we get into the lineup of junior tag league but just adding aussie open is i mean that makes such a huge difference and tmdk for that matter i was gonna say both of those two teams yeah so that i mean you're gonna have matches from both of those teams on each night and i think that that immediately elevates and makes the the booking of the tournament more interesting yeah considering and i echo those exact same thoughts and sentiments i mean considering the long-standing history of you know tag team wrestling that both of those teams have 
and then kind of interjecting them into the league. Like Chris said, it, it's a lot of returning teams, but it shakes everything up having TMDK and Aussie Open in the mix and makes it an entirely different tournament for my money. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about this uh, lineup here. A lot of really solid teams. And yeah, with Aussie Open, TMDK, I think that's going to really help elevate it. You got uh, Suzuki and Archer team together. That should be a fun team. Uh, Naito and Sonata. So some really solid teams here. and should be a, a fun uh, league to follow. Uh, Viking Paint asks, looking at the current World Tag League lineup, is it crazy for me to think that Sonata and Naito win and go on to Wrestle Kingdom 17 to face FTR? LIJ has no direction right now, and that seems like an easy way to give Naito and Sonata something to do at the biggest show of the year, but at the same time, it feels like a step down for a star like Naito. We kind of said the exact same thing on this show, so I, I agree. But when you look at the lineup, they do seem like one of the likely winners, and so you can't really count them out. Yeah. It, um, there's no dangerous techers in this tournament, huh? There's not, because correct. Uh, Sab- I, Saber I guess is... I was assuming that they were going to be in it, but yeah, because Saber's in the TV finals. That's yep. something that kind of brings the tournament down quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help. Yeah, but they're always like the MVPs of the tournament every year. Totally. They're in it. Yeah. Um, we had a question from Hawaiian Punch BV. Says, do you think that the World Tag League will ever go back to blocks? Since World Tag League went to one block, World Tag League has been solid and watchable, but we do increase the chances of seeing the same matchups multiple times year after year. Yeah, I don't like the single block format, but um, who knows? They might continue with this going forward, depending on how successful, from a monetary standpoint, the the league actually is. I don't know. Wait, you're missing. We're missing. Um... Coglin and Kid as a team. Uh-oh. Yep, you you only got nine teams on here, Jeremy. What are you doing? Man, Which I, I mean, I only yeah, I only and, say that because I was like, there was another interesting team, and, and yeah, and Coglin and Kid is like a really that's another team that really shakes things up, and right? Makes it very interesting as well. Yeah, I can't believe I missed it there. Uh, yeah, Gabriel Kid, Alex Coglin, yeah, they're going to be in the tournament also. Yeah, so that that's another interesting matchup across the board. Like first time, you know, kind of see where those guys end up slotted too. Um, so I think that's that adds a lot to it. Those guys are badasses. So I mean, yep. this, yeah. gonna be, this gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then the Super Junior Tag League teams. Hopefully, I got them all here. We'll have the Wild Hips team of Ritsuke Taguchi and the Wild Rhino Clark Connors. Kushida and Kevin Knight teaming up. We'll have Flying Tiger coming back. Tiger Mask and our buddy Robbie Eagles. We'll have the Chaos team of Yo <laughs> and Leo Rush, also known as Lee Yo. Uh, we have Alex Chaos team. <laughs> hey, NJPW1972.com says Leo Rush has tweeted that he's ready to be a part of Chaos. So it's signed, sealed, and delivered, guys. Alex Zane teaming up with L. Lindemann. We'll have the LIJ team of Bushi and Teton. We'll have the champions, Catch-22, TJP, and Francisco Akira. We'll have Zugan team of Yoshinobu Kanamaru and Doki, the Bullet Club team of Ace Austin and Chris Bay, and then the House of Torture team of Sho and Dick Togo. I, um, if, I, I know there's not like a, a ton of history of Super Junior Tag League, but if I'm looking at this correctly, there's only one team that's ever participated in this tournament. 
yeah. uh, participating again, which is Tiger Mask and Robbie Eagle. So that this tournament is where the, the freshness is coming. Yeah. Um, there's all sorts of interesting stuff happening here and, and guys making their first trips to Japan and Alex Zane and Lindemann teaming like this. This is going to be really a fun tournament. I got Kanemaru and Doki going all the way. <laughs> Kanemaru's had a good year. Fuck that. Doki needs to be strapped up with so, some gold. So Doki is ha- <laughs> he's great. Everyone knows how everyone feels about Doki, but Kanemaru low key, he's having a really good uh really good year. It's, this this tournament I think is also cool because there's so many guys returning from Super Juniors and kind of how that ventured out after that through all these like little tentacles through different uh you know because a lot of these guys are outsiders they were kind of like little storylines and they're it seems like they're all coming back now and we can kind of wrap up some of those lingering storylines that were started back in may yeah i just love that gato you know is tapping in and bringing the brothers in we got kevin knight leo rush chris bay us yes (laughs) (laughs) but yeah this should be a super fun tournament yeah a lot of interesting names here i'm actually really interested to see how kevin knight does in japan because kevin knight i feel like he's been doing awesome on strong and guy is super athletic and so i think he's gonna do great in japan um yeah hopefully his partner is healthy yeah well yeah we'll see (laughs) It, it shouldn't take three months for hand foot and mouth disease I, I don't know. I've never had it. I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, typically, that's not like a super long-term illness. So hopefully yeah. he's doing all right. Yeah. And, you know, we joke about Zane, but here he is in, in this junior tag league, apparently. He's in the junior tag I don't know. Apparently he's he's making the weight. I don't know. He's doing some extreme cuts before the the weigh-ins. He's just <laughs> not. He's not drinking any water. And then he bulks after the weigh-ins official. I actually think for the junior tag teams, it's not based on individual weight it's cumulative mm. and lindemann's like three feet tall so <laughs> so that's <laughs> not a lot of that work though. <laughs> all right so oh, uh, we'll have a uh, more preview and predictions as we get closer to both of those leagues uh kicking off real quick uh new japan strong uh we had the uh beginning of the the showdown tour uh this past saturday we had the fallen angel christopher daniels defeating our good friend rocky romero we had a number one contendership match for the strong openweight tag team titles. Stray Dog Army defeats Kevin Knight and the DKC, TMDK, and the West Coast Wrecking Crew to be the number one contenders, and they will face Machine Guns on a future episode of Strong. And then the main event was the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, defeating Gabriel Kidd, returning back to New Japan action in 11 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, just Quick bullet point thoughts. Uh, Christopher Daniels beats Rocky Romero. He's embracing his heel role. I am wondering if maybe eventually they're trying to set up a, a situation where Yuya Moore does return and get comeuppance against uh, an evil Christopher Daniels. But uh, it's been interesting to see him kind of progress and continue that, that healdom character. Um, the four way was really good. You know, the underdog team picked up the win here and. Uh, I guess we'll be good challengers. And then the main event, Tanahashi and Gabe Kidd, was very, very good. Um, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Tanahashi picked up the win, as you'd imagine and expect. But uh, uh, top to bottom, this is a pretty good episode. Yeah, I thought 
uh, Gabe Kidd was brilliant in that main event. Like, I don't feel like he was going in there going, going to be a heel, but the crowd was, like, clearly behind Tanahashi. So as the match went on, Gabriel Kidd just got more and more heelish. He was taunting Tanahashi with the, the air guitar. He was being more cocky and arrogant. Um, and that kind of played into his downfall uh, towards the end of the match where, yeah, Tanahashi eventually uh, puts him away. Uh, but then Tanahashi does show him respect after the match. So clearly he he played up heel for the match, but then afterwards he, sh- he shook Tanahashi's hand and uh, was clearly, you know, respecting the ace. But, yeah, I thought Gabe Kidd looked great in that match. Of course, you see, did you check out Strong this week? Jeremy. <laughs> I, I I can't. I'm losing my connection here. <laughs> Moving on to oh, the my news. my screen went blank. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, just two quick news items here. Uh, House of Glory on October 29th, they ran in Laboom in New York. Shingo Takagi defeated Loki in the main event, and Mark and Jay uh, Briscoe defended their titles against Aussie Open. So those are some excursion candidates there, and then. Coming up, Rev Pro, December 17th in York Hall. We'll have Zach Sabre Jr. taking on Leon Slater. Uh, we were all running up against uh, three hours. Uh, do we want to do these questions, Josh, or we want to bump them next week? We start early. I say let's just knock them out as long as we go quick, if you guys are down. We started early, but daylight savings time is a bitch. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we got time. Do whatever. All right, uh, Rambo Slam Pig says, if you were responsible for casting classic horror movies using NJPW talent, past or present, who would you use for The Wolfman, The Mummy, Dracula, Freddy Krueger, Jason, Pinhead, and Michael Myers? Can I well, rescind the- my answer for the previous question? <laughs> for, for, for The Mummy, it's got to be Hanma. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Um... You got you guys don't have good answers for this shit. I I, I could think of some stuff. Uh, Far away. Okay, the Wolfman. Who's who's really fucking hairy in, in New Japan? I... Naito. Naito be a good Wolfman. He has Prince. a wolf mask sometimes. Yeah, he's got that crazy hair. Okay, we'll do him. Dracula. I would do Suzuki. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why Suzuki? Because he's old. And Dracula's <laughs> yeah. old. Dracula's yeah, but Dracula looks young. I guess it could be Suzuki because he looks younger than he actually is. Yeah. Um, Freddy Krueger would definitely be Isaka with the glove. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jason Voorhees. Um, Gideon Gray. Yeah, Gideon Gray. That's fine. Because no, Gideon Gray should better wear pinhead. he he should wear a mask. <laughs> but he's a better pinhead. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, for Michael Myers, it's got to be evil, mm. like because he's just evil incarnate. He just keeps coming, and like it doesn't he never stops. Yeah, never stops. Yep. Stop. <laughs> doesn't make sense. But he doesn't really get anywhere. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next question. Uh, at that dude, Greg, if you could choose a new member for each for Chaos and Suzuki Goon, who would you choose? I don't know. I would choose Leo Rush for Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> and um. I see Suzuki Goon so such a specific lane that I'm not sure like who fits it. I mean that. Narita kind of fits it, but I don't know if you want to stick Narita like, in a faction right now. Like kind of, but he I, does he have the shenanigans in him? No, but he has the straight shooter, not like yeah. no nonsense like Suzuki 
does. Yeah, I don't think that's that. That's not that far of a stretch. But I just I don't think he's got the like. I I don't want to call it comedy, but it is. It's kind of like the humorous element of like being a badass, like everyone in Suzuki Goon. So there, because there, that's a funny unit. Yeah, all everyone across the board. They all they've got great timing. So it would have to be someone who with really good timing and like an ability to be both nefarious but also like can win on your own accord what about so. tom, tom lawler have him have him jump ship oh well, tom lawler would be i mean he always would have been the perfect choice for suzuki goon yeah. so sure Let's- i just i just don't give a fuck about the the faction hypothetical questions that much anymore <laughs> uh hawaiian punch bv thoughts on jake paul's and lomachenko's performances uh two weeks ago yeah, Jake Paul beat Anderson Silva, who's, you know, 47, so hats off to him. That's pretty pretty cool. But, I mean, he also struggled with a 47-year-old Anderson Silva. Like, it showed me that uh, as awesome as the grift is, this guy can't actually compete with real boxers. I hope he gets the bag. I hope they put him in there with Canelo and he, he makes some mega money. You know, whatever. Uh, Lomachenko picked up a, a, a decision in a really great, you know, exciting match. And um, I'm, I'm expecting that they're trying to set up him and Devin Haney down the line, which is probably the right fight to make. So last commission, seven, two, five, two asks when it comes to injuries, how do you guys think new Japan is very good at keeping the wrestlers from not being hurt for a long period of time? Other than Kota Abushi currently home Tahashi in 2018 and Shibata in 2017, Multiple of their big stars, like Okada, Tanahashi, Shingo, Osprey, and Naito, don't often get injured to the point where we see them gone for a long period of time. Now with them being sore and beaten up from the long tours, like their road to shows G1 and World Tag League, not most stars come out injured for a long period of time. I think there's a lot to say that these guys wrestle a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they, hundreds of matches every year, for, for the guys specifically listed here. Um... And I think that that a you learn what your body can handle and how to land and how to move um, by doing it more frequently. And B, you build up this kind of whole body callus. I mm-hmm. think that mm-hmm. I mean, we've all heard it and Josh can probably speak to it more than than any of us. But like if you do if you do anything a lot, you end up figuring out how to not ruin it and and get hurt. And like nobody wrestles more than the New Japan roster, like nobody in the world. Obviously not the AEW roster, not the <laughs> WWE roster, like not any other company in Japan. Stardom like, might. Stardom might get there, but I don't think they're there yet. Um, and maybe, I mean, definitely some luchadors in, in Mexico. Same concept, though. Those dudes are, are durable as all hell. So it's. I think a lot of it goes into just the fact that they constantly do it and that, that repetitious motion, they figured out how to, how to do all those things and not get hurt. I would say uh, that's all true. There's two other things that come to mind for me. Um, One, the dojo style of training initially builds a type of foundation that is provably superior to the other types of wrestling foundations that are usually instilled in, in performers in the West. Um, 
you know, the reality is, is like people talk about how harsh that dojo structure actually is, but the dividends that it pays out over the years in prolonging the health of the performers, it, it's provable. You look at all these guys that were able to continue their careers under harsh circumstances for decades and decades and decades wrestling the hard styles that they have. It's because of the, the fundamentals that they learned and the regiments that they underwent initially to build up their physical base. And it, it's really, really important what they do over there. And it is very different from almost any other style of wrestling training. It's not just learning how to wrestle, but it's actually building the physiological, you know, ability to withstand the punishment, withstand the, the bumps, uh, which is not always instilled in the West. The other thing too, is the, the, the ring IQ that they have learned over there. I'm not going to peel back the full curtains, but there are different ways of working a match and there's levels of advancement and the way that they do it in Japan, in New Japan specifically, is considered the pinnacle, not just from like an entertainment standpoint, but from a understanding your craft, you have to be the best at understanding that that style of work and it's not the same as what they do in america it's just not and the reality is is if you're able to do that with regularity then you are you have a mastery of your craft that is going to maybe lend itself to being safer in the ring as opposed to other environments i i can't peel back more than that but from what I've learned, it is different. It's very, very different. Yeah, I think those are kind of the key points there. Yeah, I think great fundamentals, like you mentioned from the dojo, leads to being able to learn how to protect yourself and kind of you know have that longer longevity. Uh, I also asked, are you guys interested in seeing Ian Rikabani in Japan commentating next to Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton? I'd be absolutely. down. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we what, love Ian Rikabani. The hell kind of question is that? <laughs> it's a great yeah. question. Let's do it. No, it's it's yeah. Uh, it would that that would be a great trio. Also, bring back Mavs Gillis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sh- should either Minoru Suzuki or Tomohiro Ishii be in this year's Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame? That's uh, ask Chris. He's got a he's got a ballot. Yeah, got a ballot. Chris, who are you voting for? No, Sp- I spill your I, ballot. I very, <laughs> I, I very firmly have stated that I do not. Uh, I will not announce my ballot. So, I, I honestly, I'll tell you this: we, I did a, a slight mock ballot, and while I could see arguments, I don't think Suzuki's on the. Is Suzuki not in the Hall of Fame? I thought he was already. He's not on the ballot, right? I don't think he's in the Hall, and I don't think he's on the ballot. Okay, but I mean, as far as Ishii, I could like. There's an argument for it, for sure, but there's an argument for everybody that's on the ballot for the most part, so it's really tough. It's re- And you only get five votes in that region, and that region's stacked. So uh, for anyone that does vote for him, you know, hats off to you, but for anyone that doesn't, I could see why. There are a lot of deserving candidates in that region, for sure. It's, right. It is very challenging to pare it down this year. Mm-hmm. With Holy Demon Army taking up a spot, and and then going from there, so yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like Ishii's strongest case is obviously the in-ring work, but you know, there's, there are other guys that have like the drawing ability, the, the title reigns, top star kind of stuff. So I think it's definitely like Josh mentioned, I'll argue for Ishii, but like you guys mentioned, there are some other really great candidates on there that can make it hard for Ishii, and who knows if Suzuki will ever get back on the ballot. Uh, his last question, would you buy, who would you buy, who would rent, and who would you sell on these ring announcers? WWF's Howard Finkel, New Japan's Makoto Abe, and WCW's Michael Buffer. Mm, so fuck, Mary kill, but he just tried to do it nice way. Yes, buy, buy rent, sell. All right. Um, That's clever. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, fuck Michael Buffer. Um... I'm a Mary Makato Abe, and I'm gonna have to kill Howard Finkel, unfortunately, even though he's already deceased. Mm. And Chris laughed at us, so that makes him a bad person too. Well, <laughs> I mean, this is all theoretical anyway. You didn't have to note that he's already dead. God rest his soul. With that said, I'm definitely not renting Howard Finkel. Um, I don't have an answer for this, actually. I'd probably this marry is, Michael this Buffer. Is a, this is a crazy question. <laughs> I'd probably buy Michael Buffer, rent Howard Finkel. Oh, I'd be so great, though. <laughs> so it's so hard. Like I don't want to get rid of any of them. Well, you, you don't have to answer the question. It's our podcast. <laughs> How about yeah. I have enough money to buy all three of them? How about that? Well, wow. we, we could do that if you guys send us donations <laughs> oh my gosh uh, Viking Payne says when do you expect to see Bull Club legend and gold salesman the choo choo chosen one Jeff Jarrett back in New Japan in a New Japan ring time to break some guitars and never draw a dime slap nuts fuck yeah that's my answer fuck yeah let's do it I love well, Jeff Jarrett I I I was at the Royal Rumble in 20... What year was that? Must have been 2019. Um, in Arizona, when Jeff Jarrett and Elias like started the whole thing. Mm. It wasn't great. It was great. That was classic. It was not. Um, it was challenging to sit through. Um, but I had a great time at the Royal Rumble. But um, So those are my feelings about Jeff Jarrett. But sure, bring him back. Whatever. I mean, uh, this, new, this new look, this whole... Not new, I guess... He, it's the it's last a vibe. outlaw. It'll work. It'll work for a little while. Yeah, I mean he's in AEW now. You know, Forbidden Door. He could he could walk through, bring that guitar with him. Who would he hit? Okada. Like, who, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight for Because Okada would try and trust him. Because Okada. Are you asking dumb. that question? He's gonna take out the. He's gonna go straight to the top. He's gonna. Fight for the IWGP title and maybe win it. <laughs> My world is blaring through the Tokyo Dome. We're talking about a youth movement. Fucking Jeff Jarrett wins the world title. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Hawaiian Punch BV, thoughts on Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira next uh, this weekend? I think Alex Pereira might beat him. Uh, and I'm very excited for this fight. Don't have any thoughts, but it should be a fun fight. I feel like Izzy's kind of, I don't know. Izzy's great, but Pereira beat him already in, in kickboxing, and he is a killer. Uh, he doesn't have as much of a complete game as Adesanya. He doesn't have the experience of Adesanya, 
And Adesanya is a great champion, so he's probably going to win, and he is the favorite. But like, I just got this gut thing where it's like, Pereira already knocked him out, and he might sun that man again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, with Bivol's impressive performance this past weekend, it's Bivol versus Bitterbiev, low-key the most exciting matchup in boxing. For me, it is. I'm I'm all about that fight. I I want to see those guys fight so bad. So, but I, I don't know if it will happen. I mean, especially considering everything that's going on, like over in that region of the world right now. I don't know. All right. Well, let's uh, close off. Wait, wait. Oh. Real quick, uh, New Japan and Stardom did a joint press conference while we've been talking tonight. They announced the pricing of the uh, historic crossover show. It's pay-per-view on New Japan World. 3,980 yen, which translates to about 27 American dollars. Like $30, so I, basically. Yeah, about 30 bucks. I figured I would try to get that in and out there for people. Yeah, A lot of people don't know it's a pay-per-view. Correct. I didn't know until recently. And AEW full gear is the night before. Correct. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. Tough on the But Stardom has been doing pay-per-views a ton a of pay-per-views like every other week. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, I hope it fucking fails. Not because you don't want more pay-per-views? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just checking. I know because we've if, had, you've had a mixed ride with the Joshi, okay? Listen, it's not that, but I mean, it, it, you kill two birds, but uh, <laughs> but if it's successful, New Japan's going to start charging us for pay-per-views. Fuck that. I already pay, you know, 727 yen a month. <laughs> I mean, listen, you pay more than seven twenty seven yen. You pay seven dollars and twenty seven cents because the yeah, yen whatever is, is very uh, down. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to pay an addition. And then they've got these pay per views in North America that it's just too much, man. Like, <laughs> you just gotta start asking for. Never mind. Yeah, we could, but <laughs> I thought I thought you guys had friends and connects. We, well, I mean, we, I mean, we do. We do, wow. but we've never asked that question. What do you get out of it? Hey, you know, just like, hey, you're my friend. Are you <laughs> a free show? We're, we're a part of chaos we, now. We, we, we've never asked for a link for a show ever. I guess we could. I Truthfully, I haven't either, but it's a whole nother story. <laughs> we don't really ask for stuff like The only thing we've ever, ever, ever asked for is press passes. That's about it. But uh, speaking about uh, links to matches, let's talk about recommended uh, match of the week. Um, so last week uh, for the excursion match, we went with uh, Jack Bonds over Shingo Takagi from the uh, PWA show in Australia. That was the, the whole thing where uh, the show where Jack Bonds joined uh, the Bullet Club. Uh, so, so your pick, Josh. So I watched that uh, today. I got to say, the PWA production is incredible like it blows like a lot of like american stuff like indie stuff and like your mlw's even like those the 44th street stuff like out of the water like the production was awesome oh remember some of those melbourne city shows a couple of years ago were really good production as well too yeah um and so this was like a, a essentially like a never open weight style matchup with these kind of two big uh muscly horses uh wrestling here throwing a lot of big lariats, a lot of big power moves, and 
You know, Jack Bonds is trying to get one of the biggest wins of his career uh, by being Shingo, and Shingo was throwing everything at him, hit him with the, the main in Japan, pumping bomber. And he just kind of kept kicking out, and then eventually they, they brawl towards the stage where uh, Bad Luck Fale runs in and attacks Shingo, and they throw up the two sweet, and Jack Bonds ends up um, joining the Bull Club. This was a really good match. Also, the DQ finish does bring it down a bit. I think it could be a, a very low-key Contender for our excursion uh, match of the year award, but I don't think it's probably going to end up getting nominated. But still, a really fun match, and I would highly suggest checking out the, the PWA product. It was, it was a really fun watch. Awesome. Well, uh, the match that you gave me was uh, NJPW Power Struggle 2012, the intercontinental title match between Shinsuke Nakamura and Carl Anderson. I got a little confused because they actually had another Power Struggle match in 2015 for the IC title. And I was like, which, which of these two shows did he mean? But uh, it was the 2012 show. I went back and watched this and um, this was a really, really, really great match. I think it uh, was a little bit underrated at the time by Dave. He gave it like three and three quarters. And I I thought this was better than that. Um, You know, according to cage match, this was the match of the night and I could definitely see why. Now here's the thing with Carl Anderson. Him wrestling in Japan is kind of like Hulk Hogan wrestling in Japan. He has this reputation as being this incredible worker. And I feel like he like the reputation is maybe higher than the actual output. But if you've never seen him work in Japan, what he's doing is much better than what you've probably seen anywhere else. And that kind of remained to be true here. But um, Carl Anderson 2012 was way better than Carl Anderson in 2022. Like it's (laughs) night and day. And this match was highly enjoyable. And Nakamura at the time was also fantastic. They went out there and um, honestly, this was a story of making Carl Anderson look like a million bucks. And that's what Nakamura did. He sold for him and it didn't matter. They, they kind of went from shoot style to American style to the hard strikes to you know, chain grappling and then wild brawling on the outside. And in almost every aspect of the game, Carl Anderson had Nakamura's number in this match and was pretty much winning almost all of the different flurries. There was a crazy, crazy moment where um, he gave Nakamura, he stood on the table and gave him a TKO onto the guardrail, which I don't think I've ever seen that. Like he literally hit his ribs on the guardrail. And that could have easily been like pretty you know, uh, it could have gone wrong for sure. But um, at the end of the day, even though he was able to almost beat Nakamura in every aspect, Nakamura had the one thing that he didn't have. That's the knockout punch that, that Bombay, he lands the Bombay, puts this pull out one, two, three walks out with the belt. And it was a really great story. It was like a, a, a chase where, you know, Nakamura was pretty much, you know, clinging for hope almost the whole time. And then boom, Bombay, Go to sleep. Let's go. One, two, three. If you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend it. I went like four and a quarter on it. I thought it was awesome. Nice. So for this week, for the excursion match of the week, we're going to go to Pro Wrestling Noah from the uh, return Pro Wrestling Love Forever 3 show where we had Muto, Marifuji, and Inamura taking on Makabe, Hanma, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. I'm surprised you were, you're recommending that and not the tag team title match with uh, Kojima because I heard that that match was awesome and I heard that this match was wah, wah, wah. And also, Chris said that Hama stunk up the joint. 
Well, I mean, it, it's a Muto match, and Tanahashi's in there. I figured we, we got to watch both of them, so I just threw this one out here, and we'll, we'll get to the Kojima match. All right. Well, um, I am going to uh, kick it old school. We were talking about old school wrestling not too long ago. So uh, my excursion match of the year is a Tokyo Dome tag team match. It's from January 4th, 2000, and it is the match between Kazunari Murakami and Noya Ogawa taking on Shinya Hashimoto and Takashi Isaka. And this is the return match from the year prior where Ogawa pulled the infamous shoot on Hashimoto and, and, you know, knocked him out and blah, blah, blah. And it turned into a giant, uh, you know, into a giant, what's it called? Uh, a riot. Me- well, melee. Melee. Well, Iska and Murakami were two of the principal men involved in that melee. And so after a year's build, it built to this Jerry fourth tag team match. And it's a great one if you've never seen it. So, Definitely check that out. We'll send out the link to everybody. Nice. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us. Go ahead and give our listeners your plugs where they can find you online and any projects you got going on right now. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Chris Samsa. And I'll be I do some really fun stuff with the tag leagues. So um I'll be running stats and, and info for World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League this year. Um I keep track of legal time, number of tags, tags for win, tags for loss. Real deep dive, goofy stuff that I like to contribute to the uh, to the tag leagues. So um, most of that will live on Twitter. Voices of Wrestling, Sport of Pro Wrestling, maybe English commentary if uh, Kevin feels like using some of it. So um, yeah, that's where to find me. Thanks for having me. Or thanks for coming on, man. So uh, next week, we'll be back to uh, preview the historic crossover pay-per-view. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate. And click on the donate button under the Keeping a Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow the network at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, on the Pro Black Guy, just keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences, hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd Johnson and Austin Summerwitz. The AW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. And the Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny Kukler. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Did you bond? Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.